What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 25 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, December 14th. Good Lord, I can't believe we're already in the middle of December. I am Josh Cannon. I live in Florida. It is hot as balls right now, so everyone else who's listening to this in pretty much any other part of the world, be jealous of me. I'm loving this heat. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. It's uh, the complete polar opposite over here. It's snowing. And it's freezing cold outside. I went and got the mail. And, well, I mean, it could have been worse. But, like, if I was out there any longer with that wind chill, I probably would have been an icicle. Um, But anyway, uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great, actually. Uh, This is a last math class update for you guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I got a C in in, uh, math uh, in society. So I know a lot of people, that's nothing to be impressed about. Like, I'm like, well, to me, it is. I had a learning disability in math ever since high school. So for me to only have to retake one math class and to have passed all of the classes that at Clark that are math related without much help and just doing it all myself, I'm pretty proud of myself. So, um, Hopefully that's it. That's I'm done. Good. Hopefully now I got a. I'm gonna get my AA transfer degree, and I never have to take another math class again. That's so. good because I know we're all fucking sick of hearing. I mean, we are all very <laughs> proud of you, is what I meant to say. That that is what I meant to say. No, no, that's awesome. I remember whenever I got my uh, my first C um, for my math class. That was, it wasn't the prerequisite ones, but it was the one that you you needed to pass to get your AA. I was, I was so happy. I was like, Oh, thank God. Like, uh, yeah, math was, uh, it was like anytime I'd sit down to do it, my anxiety would start flaring up because it was just one of those things that you just so did not want to do, but you had to. And it's just like, Oh, you guys started getting all fidgety and you're like, Oh man, like you're going into war or something. Exactly. (laughs) Like you're about to jump out of the back of an airplane and like parachute Uh into enemy territory. That's how I felt with, uh, I'm surprised I got a straight up C because knowing how this teacher is, how ass backwards his tests were, uh, knowing how the final had more questions that were of the problems that I knew I struggled with, you know? So Maybe I did better on the final than I thought, or maybe just replacing the lowest test score just did enough just to give me a straight-up C. Fine with me. Yeah, you don't, I, whatever, you don't know, and you don't care. Whatever <laughs> happened, I don't give a shit. I don't <laughs> care. I'm done. Math, I'm done with math, and hopefully I can get started on uh, my minor in film studies and actually just focus and study and take classes for stuff that I'm really passionate about and I'm re- I really like and – you know, we'll see how that goes. So that link you uh, sent me, the celebratory song, is that uh, something we're going to run to copyright issues over, you think? I don't know. I probably don't think so. I don't think anyone's going to, like, run in and be like, I use that, like, it was claimed by YouTube, but, like, it wasn't blocked. So I don't think we're going to have any issues. All right, then, ladies and gentlemen, let's take this moment to have a celebratory tune that Mike picked out. I don't even know what it is yet until after I do this and edit and everything.
right. Sweetest yeah. victory. Uh-huh. All right. So I still don't know what the fuck it was, but uh, you, you know, probably, after I, you should probably uh, you can edit some stuff and stuff like that. Edit what I'm saying out too, because this completely ruins the illusion. Don't <laughs> tell me what to. Edit. I will edit. I, Mike, if you piss me off, I will edit you to look like the worst <laughs> person ever. I haven't. I have enough footage of you saying murder and kill to make you seem like the biggest piece of shit. I will do that. I have the power. Okay, so... Holy fuck. Where is this coming from? Why? Alright, guys. Okay, you know what? This is the second time this is is the second time we've hit record and I'm not doing it again. Uh, I I, I don't even have... I have Facebook open. That's the only thing I have open. Where are these voices coming from? It's like this random ad is playing and I don't know where it's coming from. So Is it like an extra tab that's open? Are are you using Firefox? What are you using? using Okay, on Firefox, there's an option where you can mute the tab. Do you I see, see that I on top? That, yeah, and I did that, and it still, it. it still did it last time. So I just closed everything out. I that have, doesn't make any sense I know, why anything would make any kind of noise if you muted the tab. That's an unsolved mystery. God damn it. Okay, so let's get to some uh, current unsolved mysteries um, news. Or I mean, um, uh, a certain show. Uh, fuck it, we're allowed to talk about it as long as we don't infringe on anybody's copyrights with their <laughs> trademarks. Um... <laughs> That's, that shows a good attitude towards everybody, right? So, okay, uh, a few people alerted me to this. Probably last week, somebody posted on our fan page, which, by the way, if you want to like us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash mysteries. You can also donate to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash mysteries for a bunch of perks and etc. So they posted a screenshot of uh, Amazon Prime, and it showed, I think, the first two seasons of Unsolved Mysteries on Amazon Prime, However, the caveat was it was the Farina episode. Exactly. Precisely. Dennis Farina being the new host of the revamped Unsolved Mysteries. That is garbage uh if i'm being if i'm being quite <laughs> I, frank it is i have expected to, to hear the wah, wah, <laughs> you know, like that whole sort of thing like when yeah. when you get the news it's like, unsolved mysteries yeah it's streaming dennis farina episodes wah, wah. <laughs> yeah so there's you know i guess it's it's better than getting poked in the eye with a sharp stick but at the same time it's not it's, uh not a consolation prize really at all so it's like the whammy came in and started just smashing down on your on your good vibes so if you guys want like a lackluster okay go out if you have Amazon Prime, go out and watch the Farina episodes if you never have. Go watch the revamped Unsolved Mysteries. If you want to see a show that you loved, if you want to see just how badly somebody can take it and make you not love it anymore. Yeah, if you want to see how badly somebody can fuck up Unsolved Mysteries, go watch the reboot. Yeah. Um, and if anybody likes it, um, I and, and, and no judgment... Comment on our Facebook or somewhere. Tell me if you do like the Farina ones and tell me why. Because Yeah, I, I, I'd be curious. I'm also, curious. You know, to each their own. Like I always say, different opinions are what makes this world interesting. So if you are a big fan, cool. Um, I remember when it I remember being kind of excited when it was first announced. I was like, oh, Unsolved Mysteries is back. Cool. And, yeah, and me then too. At, at, fir- at first I was like, Spike TV, 
I don't know about that. <laughs> At first, I was like, it being on Spike TV really, really didn't make me feel that great. I didn't, I didn't, the, I didn't connect the two dots together at the time, but after seeing what the revamp actually looked like, it, it made total sense to me. You know, their Spike TV, you know, their tagline is television for men, or else it used to be, mm-hmm. which I hate when, I mean, I don't think TV networks do this Well, anymore. Lifetime was like television for women. Right, and I don't like the, <laughs> the gender um, typing of these, of these show, of these channels and these networks. Because I love Lifetime. I've always loved Lifetime. Yeah. I even love the corny movies. Um, uh-huh. There are some great corny movies on there that were legitimately entertaining. They showed Unsolved Mysteries back in the day. I honestly mm-hmm. believe that's why we have so many female listeners to this day is because so many, um, I guess because Lifetime was branded as television for women, maybe more women watched the Unsolved Mysteries when it was yeah. on Lifetime. Um, especially our younger uh, listeners or whatever. I almost said viewers. Um, but, I mean, I watched it on Lifetime, though. But anyway, Spike TV, Television for Men, I, when I saw the revamp, I was like, it makes perfect sense. They're trying to make this look like a CSI. They're trying to make this look yeah. badass. They have this rock music intro and rock music throughout the... Think of that, 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 that atmospheric, subtle, nuanced, brilliant music of the old show and just replace it with, like, Nickelback and, and you got, like, the shit. Uh. And, and, like, just a bunch of unneeded <laughs> visual effects on screen. Uh. <laughs> um, Dennis Farina and his vanilla performance as a host. Uh, although, I will say, every time I bring it up, Dennis Farina was pretty badass in movies and the other stuff I've seen him in. But for this show, totally wrong choice. Um, could have went with almost anybody else and it would have been better. Um, so yeah, go check that out. It's on Amazon prime. Now you can, uh, watch the freeing episodes legally without having to worry about anyone. Getting exactly. on their ass. So it's by this company nam- named film rise, who I think has done a few other things. I think they also are responsible for having a, a handful of old forensic files episodes available to be watched and streamed on Amazon prime. Now, as soon as I saw the announcement on our page about Unsolved Mysteries, the reboot being on Amazon Prime, I'd actually uh, ended up my, – my subscription actually ended and I wasn't really planning on paying for it again. But then I did some research and then apparently I can pay a monthly fee of ten ninety nine. I don't have to go in and do the huge chunk fee to be able to just see it Amazon Video and Amazon Prime, you know, two-day shipping. Yeah. So I was like – Okay, all right. So I did that. I went above and beyond, folks, for this show because I know there was a few requests or some people were mentioning some some uh, cases that apparently were only on that show. So I ended up, you know, going, all right, I'll pay the 1099. I end up using Amazon anyway for two day shipping. So okay, all right, cool. So <laughs> there we go. So also, um, as of today, um, this there's just been this article floating around online. Um, I first saw it from therap.com, but Mike saw it from other sources. It's saying, you can start streaming the creepiest unsolved mysteries later this month. And from the image that they have, um, which I'm sure they will soon be getting a cease and desist letter from um, Terry and John... Uh, they have a picture of Robert Stack on this article, not Dennis Farina. And it said, 
you know, it goes into about before the nation was captivated with true crime hits like Making a Murderer, The Jinx, and Serial. TV viewers tuned in weekly to watch Unsolved Mysteries. The long-running show will soon be available to stream. Film and television distribution FilmRise announced Wednesday that it acquired mm-hmm. the worldwide digital distribution rights to the show that ran for more than 20 years after it premiered as an NBC special in 1987. It's saying that episodes will will start to be available on digital and streaming platforms this month. I'm guessing they mean in December. Though FilmRise did not specify... Um, and then you got, you know, old fucknuts here, uh, John, commenting, <laughs> saying, we're pleased to be releasing this celebrated series to a large audience of fans, both old and new. Oh, wait, no, that was Danny Fisher, CEO of FilmRise, who I have no problem with. Sorry, Danny. Uh, <laughs> you're good. Um, Jumping the gun there, Josh. Yeah, I did jump the gun. Might have helped if I did a little homework before I started this. Okay, now here's where uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum come in. Uh, quote, Unsolved Mysteries has a long history of finding new audiences, and we're thrilled that the series has, is being given yet another life by FilmRise, Moyer said. We know the series will expand even further with their help and expertise, end quote. So, the deal was negotiated between Fisher and FilmRise's VP of Acquisitions, Max Einhorn. Oh, Einhorn, that's kind of ironic. Ira Einhorn was a guy who uh, murdered uh, somebody back in the day, which was covered on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With Cosgrove, Moore Productions, etc. So, at some point this month, Unsolved Mysteries, I'm assuming the original, with Robert Stack, is going to be coming to a streaming service near well, you. Well, I'm not going to assume that. See, I have this sinking suspicion that FilmRise only got the distribution rights from the streaming for the revamp. Because... Think about it. Lifetime for many years when they first started run- when they started running Unsolved Mysteries again early in the morning, it was not the old show. It was the revamp with Dennis Farina. So that has me worried. Yeah, I'm concerned. Um, obviously, it would be incredible if they... If you, Full episodes, too, like the revamp. That would be amazing if they could actually do that. Not just segments. I mean, full episodes. Yeah, that, you know, because that's that's kind of one thing. Um, without going into too much detail, um, we're only watching the segments. Yeah. We're, we're not watching the actual episode as it was intended to be viewed, me and Mike, mm-hmm. whenever we do research here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. If, if it did come back to a streaming site, I'm assuming it would be the actual episode where it's four segments. Yeah. And if it is just a segment separately, but they're like in really great quality, I can deal with that too. Yeah, yeah that'd be fine. To be honest, as long as they're better than, as long as they're on par with the quality that you see on the DVD sets. All right. I can, I can totally be all for that. And if that is the case... That is totally worth ten ninety nine a month, and honestly, Amazon Prime's a good deal anyway. Even if the streaming services, their streaming, their video selection isn't as good as it used to be. Netflix is is just beats the shit out of them in that aspect, in my opinion. But Amazon Prime gives you two day free shipping. Yeah. So if Very if you useful. are you know buying a bunch of stuff on Amazon, uh, you know it, it's it is a great deal just to be able to just have that option. 
Now, the thing that kind of like um, gives me pause is the whole issue I ran into when I was corresponding with their, I guess, assistant or whatever. Lawyer. <laughs> no, not the lawyer. It was, it was, it was when I would dealt with my first when I've dealt with the first copyright strike I got on my YouTube oh. channel. Okay. And I was I was emailing back and forth with their uh, um, receptionist or assistant or something like that, and she was talking about how, um, at, you know, every time an episode of Unsolved Mysteries is aired, royalties or residuals or ha- have to be paid out to the various guilds and the actors who were involved in the reenactment. Now, I'm guessing since this show is so old, there must be some kind of a lump sum that is yeah. paid just to get the whole kit and caboodle and not have I to think really... So. I think so as well, because if they didn't make that kind of deal, then they could not start airing or streaming the revamp. So that's what does give me hope that the original show with Robert Stack will eventually be available on Amazon Prime as well because of the fact that the revamp has about... The majority of the show is just hack job versions of the reenactments. Well, the thing is, you know, the, my thing is, is, from the is old show. if if they're, you know, because usually when Netflix or whoever acquires a new show, they get everything. They don't just get a few seasons. So if they get all exactly. 13 or whatever seasons or however many there were, I think there were 13 seasons. Um that's a lot. That's that, that's a large chunk of change. Now, if they just got the revamp with Farina, that's only like two seasons. Yeah. So, uh, aka, I much think it cheaper. would be worth it though. One hundred percent worth it. Of course, to the film fans. rise, film and film rise can end up making a decent profit with this type of arrangement because there is absolutely one hundred percent a fan base. Well, I don't think the question is any, well, the question is, is there a fan base? But I think, too, I just think that's such a large, I think they look at it like, okay, if we get the revamp, that's two seasons. The the fans, you know, whatever, they don't, you know, it's Unsolved well, Mysteries. There you go. But it, no. it saves us the money. And that, Bullshit. I, well, I'm saying I hope they don't look at it like that. But I hope they don't look at it like that because that's, that's not what any of the fans, at least not any of the ones that I know, of yeah that's not what i want that's not what you want it's not what i don't think that's I, I don't think that's what any of the people who are listening to this podcast right now want so yeah i mean that's that that's that's in the news it's already been apparently. although i think i like i said i think there's hope because the reenactments are heavily featured in the revamp so if you paid that lump sum or whatever to be able to show this revamp show which heavily includes reenactments with the actors from the original show, then I'm thinking that I don't see any reason why you should not be able to start, you know, showing segments or episodes of the show hosted by Robert Stack. Or even, like, the original, like, the first pilot episode that wasn't even hosted by Robert Stack. Now would have been a great time, before all that legal shit happened, now would have been a great time to contact those that guy and gal, John and Terry, and um, talk to them about this. But uh, Well, we would have loved to, but you know, I don't know. Now. It seems like that bridge, bridge has been burned. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, the last time I did try to get in contact with them, all I got was an email back from the lawyer. Um, they, they, they wouldn't even... The receptionist said that they were in a meeting and they'd call me back, and then, like, a few days later, the lawyer... 
called me back and he basically said in 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 so many uncertain terms hey why are you calling my clients <laughs> you know so i was yeah. like okay well clearly they're gonna you know hide behind their lawyer and they're not they don't mm-hmm. want to talk to me and that's fine you know that's whatever. disappointing because it, it shows you that oh maybe they don't give a shit about their fans they're all about the money type deal and that's really too bad um but there's a lot of people like that a lot of people who own, own a property, who own an IP, who are like that. I, I And this explains why they were so anal about, you know, what we were doing with our podcast earlier. Because if they were in talks to get this type of deal going, you know, they're, they're extra protective over their property, over their intellectual property. So... Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, but, but I mean, you know, they've had a they've had a history of of just taking down videos left and right. Yeah, I, mean, I know, but yeah, but this this is like a whole nother level of, of anal. Yeah. You know. So it, they're extra protective, even more than they already are. They don't want they don't want their brand to get convoluted with something that's not their brand, which was our podcast. They don't want yeah. our podcast associated with their brand in any way. And I guess I can understand that, but I think they could have gone about it in a better, you know, a little bit more respectful way. But you know, that's just my point of view. Well, I, I feel like at this point, there's a one website remaining that's got like their little thumbnail on it that's yet we to We can't update. do anything about nothing, it. Nothing. That's a cache thing. That's an internet cache thing. There's not a single damn thing that you or I can do about it. So Yeah, and that's I won't bore people with the details of that, but that's, yeah, anyway. All right, so getting into uh, this week's uh, stuff, we got a Q&A later on because, I mean, honestly, I just kind of thought of the idea out of nowhere but then i thought oh well it's episode 25 and that's a nice uh you know qu- yeah. quarter of a number there so fuck it you know we'll we'll do a q and a why not it'll be fun uh we already got quite a few questions that have come in um so that's fun uh i guess we'll start off with a, a shorter one and again this is fan request month so all these have been requested by all of you guys um so if the show sucks, yet again, it's all your fault. Not me and Mike. We're not responsible at all. Um, these are all your requests. So getting into the first one here, we have Gerald Gervasoni. Let's try that again. G- Jerry Gervasoni. Gervasoni. Yeah, Gervasoni. All right, there you go. Um, this Or Gervasoni. Gervasoni. <laughs> it could be either one. Whatever. This guy's a scumbag, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Fuck, <laughs> fuck his name. Fuck the correct pronunciation of his name. He doesn't deserve it. Uh, of course, this uh, had to happen in, in my state of Florida, of course. Um, if you ever want to just like look up weird Florida stories, you will find more weird Florida stories in any other state. Don't know why. Don't. I guess because we're near the Bermuda Triangle, maybe. I don't know. No, it's Florida. That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird Listen. place. There's no explanation needed. It's Florida. Yeah. So this took place in Kissimmee, Florida, which I've heard of. There's a, I believe there's some kind of theme park there that they're always advertising here in Jacksonville. Kissimmee, Florida is a, it's a lakeside resort town, 10 miles north of Orlando. Another big, big one. I've been to there a few times uh, to see the big mouse there. Um, on July 9th, 1986, 22-year-old Paula Pasaic and Jerry Garvasoni arrived from New Jersey 
to visit Paula's mother, Barbara. And I, let me tell you, when these people, when they say they're from Joyzy, they do some pretty Joyzy shit in this, uh, this segment here. Um, so the, the kids were very happy. Everyone had a good time. The mother's saying this right now, you know, when they came down to visit. Uh, during the visit, Paula and Jerry slept in Barbara's bedroom, and Barbara slept on the couch. Dicks. Why are you making your mom sleep in the couch? Really? Yeah. In the living room while you sleep in her bed. Nah, nah, nah. That's a dick move. Yeah. You know what you do, folks? You go to Walmart. You buy you a damn air mattress. One of you sleeps on the couch. The other one sleeps on the air mattress. You let your beloved mother sleep in her damn bed in her house. That's what you do. You, I mean, 22 years old, Paula, and however old Jerry was or whatever... Their their young spines can take sleeping on the floor a little bit. Barbara needed that bed, so anyway. These and there, yeah, and there's some really nice air mattresses out there. So there really are. So already these people left a bad taste in my mouth by making their poor old mother do that. Um, on Sunday, four nights after they arrived, Paula and Jerry told Barbara they'd be leaving the next morning to go on an excursion to another part of Florida to visit uh, some of Jerry's family. Barbara awoke the next day and heard some rustling around. I'm guessing she was half asleep, half awake. This has happened to me quite a few times, so I can relate. She didn't know if they were up or not, so she didn't get up to say goodbye. She just kind of heard some rustling, and then she went back to sleep. You know, the amount of times that's happened to me is just numerous, you know, where it's like, oh, what's that? I'm too tired to get up and check it out. Fuck, I'm going to go back to sleep. Over the next five days, an odd smell began to waft throughout the Barb's home. On Saturday morning, Barbara got up, and the odor had really become strong, and it, it was strong enough to make her search around to see what was causing this. Barbara searched the entire trailer and found nothing. The last place she looked was in her own bedroom. She looked under the bed, and hidden under the bed, wrapped in a bamboo curtain, was Paula's body. Ugh. Quote, at first, I wasn't sure of what I seen. I just didn't expect it. I had to stop and think, is, is this real or am I seeing things? She's saying this very Jersey-like, you know. I didn't know what, what I what I just seen. I didn't expect it. I had to stop and think, is this real or am I seeing things? Paula had, had been strangled to death and left under the bed for nearly a week. The prime suspect, of course, was Jerry, but he had dropped from sight. Less than a month later, police got their first break when they questioned a friend of Jerry's. And um, he, the friend proceeded to tell the police about just three days after the murder, he picked Jerry up from New York, New Jersey airport, where Jerry virtually confessed the murder to his friend. And in the scene, uh, the reenactment or whatever, um, Jerry's, uh, well, first of all, Jerry confessed to swiping Barb's paycheck. The daughter caught him taking the check, and at that point they got into a fight, as most people from Jersey would. Um, <laughs> so he, he's telling his friend, he said, I didn't mean to hurt her, and, you know, we just got into a fight, and, you know, and he needed money. And When you, when you get in a fight... And I mean, there's a verbal altercation and then there's a fight. See, I, I don't this is this is me getting picky here and being a bit anal, but I don't like it when people say, oh, they were fighting. You know, they, they why do we why are we fighting? Like when the people are when the couples are just arguing with each other, that's not a fight. That's a verbal altercation. That's that's 
That's that's argument. That's an argument. That's not a fight. A fight is physical. As my parents used to say, we're not fighting, Josh. We're having a discussion. So. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he he's sifting through the mom's shit, and she finds him doing that, and she calls yeah. him out on it. She's like, hey, what are you doing? They get into an altercation. He's like, hey, don't touch me. Don't put your hands on me. And then they get into it, which him being a man, he should not be yeah. engaging her in that way. Precisely. And, and I don't I don't buy his bullshit. I didn't mean to hurt her. I don't buy that at all. He says I he, really don't. He says he didn't mean to hurt her and that he broke her neck. The, uh, how do you, how does that happen? If you don't mean to hurt somebody and they're breaking their neck, unless they tripped and fell and it was an accident. And if that was the case, then you wouldn't be hiding her body in a bamboo uh, curtain underneath your her mom's bed, you fuck. <laughs> this guy is a fucking moron. He's a piece of shit. And it, and honestly, I'm not trying to be overly judgmental, especially for the deceased. But it kind of says something about her that she was with a piece of shit like this. I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah. People just don't like these kind of traits of stealing, you know, the mother's yeah. paycheck. That's, well, maybe she didn't know that he was that bad. And then he because it seemed like. There, that happens, Josh, where people put on a good act for months while they're dating and then they get married and then the act starts to wear off and the real person ends up coming into play. It, it is very – it happens a lot actually, a lot more than you would think where, oh, this is not the man I married. Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I, just, I guess because it's never happened to me personally, like, as far as someone that I've been with. Um, yeah. But, but then again, I mean, you know, it, it, as far I think Robert Stack quoted one time, um, if you're looking for a more devious gender, look no further than the male or something like that. But he was quoting somebody else. And, and that quote was in reference to how males commit, like, mm-hmm. what, 80% or 90% of the murder of all homicides or whatever. So maybe I've never had that experience because I. It could have been. It could have been something like the whole thing where he got in a fight with her, and he wasn't. He didn't watch his strength, and he broke her neck. But it's, it's, instead of, I messed up. I fucked up. It was an accident. We got in a fight. You know, be honest about. I. I mean, you're probably still gonna go to jail for manslaughter. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but doing what you did here. If you get caught, you're not going to jail for manslaughter. You're going to jail for murder <laughs> because you were extremely suspicious. You wrapped up the body in bamboo curtain, left it under her mom's bed for weeks, and then ran off. And the balls of this guy to put yeah. the body under his under the mom's that part bed. Made, that, that got me choked up when I first saw this segment. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. That's just awful. Can you just being... Can you imagine being in the mother's shoes no, in no, that moment? I'm glad I can't. I'm glad I can't, too. But it's just awful. So he's saying all this shit to his friend. He's confessing to his friend. And he's like, oh, I was just joking, man. I, yeah, and his friend goes... His friend, And this was actually a really good reenactment when they show this yeah. part. His friend goes... Look, if you did something like this, you're not getting in my car and you're not coming back to my place. You got that? And then, you know, 
the the guy got kind of put off and he's like, hey, I'm joking, I'm joking. And then the friend was like, oh, you got me. And the witness was very surprised when he found out that Paula had been murdered. In the past seven years, Jerry has probably decided that the police are no longer looking for him. But the, the seven years since the murder, Barbara has seen her own life unravel. Quote, she's quoted as saying, I've become a very angry, a very hateful person. But thankfully, this story does have an update. British Columbia, Canada, on October 21st, 1993, Jerry was arrested in a small community of Salt Springs Island where he'd been living under the assumed name Gordon McIntyre. Um, his former landlord recognized him on TV and called police. When he was doing the perp walk to the airplane, Jerry, they showed uh, like a still frame of him looking out the window. And this fucker, man, he was just—he had this smile on his face, yeah. this, like innocent, like elated mm-hmm. smile. And you just—you just want to strangle him. You just want to reach your hands yeah. to the screen and strangle that fucking bastard for doing exactly. that. Exactly. By the way, I'm not watching my language anymore. Sorry. <laughs> we tried that. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing we that. We tried either, that for but... a few episodes because of some of the complaints. But then that's when I realized that I—I I still had under the podcast it said clean lyrics. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably change that. So now it says explicit lyrics, so no one has a reason to complain. No. Um, I'm sorry. I just... when we kids do- shouldn't be listening to this anyway. Yeah. Well, if there are any kids listening to this podcast. When you're dealing with... When you're talking about murders and such intense topics like this, I, I can't not swear. You know, I just... I can't, yeah. I can't not do it's that. It's a nice way to vent, especially for these, you know, these fucking assholes. It's what they are. They're, at, they're fucking assholes. I don't want to... Oh, oh, they're, they're just bad people. Uh, they're... they're, they're no. <laughs> they're scumbags, douchebags. Mouth-breathing, just Neanderthal... Uh, you know. Soulless motherfuckers. Yeah. So um, this uh, scumbag, uh, Jerry Gervasoni, he uh, pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 17 years in prison. He was actually paroled in 2003, and then he was then returned to New Jersey where he was sentenced to three, year, three extra years in prison for a parole violation. He was released in 2006, and he died in May 2013. That's me applauding. If you can't tell, what do you think? Did do, do, do you think he he didn't die of old age? Because the guy is kind of on the younger side in the in this segment. I don't know. I don't know how he died. They didn't really explain that. You know, what crazy thing is about like anytime you watch this show, especially the old episodes, like you kind of have to assume that like everybody that they're talking about at this point is either dead or very elderly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like especially if you see someone on the show who's like you know in their forties or fifties, it's like pretty safe to say that person's about like seventy or eighty at this point. And if you see someone who's like a kid on the show, they're like thirty now, probably. You know, like um, yeah. Bobby Baskin or whatever. Mm. Um, we won't get into that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. But if you want to find out more about that. Uh, <laughs> donate to us on patreon and you'll be able to hear all about that case um and in the, uh, the crap mike got into with that um uh, my the one time mike actually gets into something it's usually me who's get, catching flack um on here well i didn't get sued or anything it was just bobby himself bobby it, he just he's just absolutely adamant about how it all happened and it's all true and and all of that and 
I, I just personally, you know, respectfully disagree with him because I don't, I, I honestly, to me personally, I, I mean, if he was brainwashed and he was all of that, like he, he would not believe that he was brainwashed. Yeah. He would not even remotely no even consider know, that. No one's going to know what the hell we're talking about right now. So let's not get into that. But um, I know. Anyway, so yeah, the I for some reason the bamboo wrap sticks out in my head that he used a bamboo curtain and wrapped her body up and shoved it. That, that that was that was strange, but also it's just the fact, you know, it's under the mother's bed. I mean, well, I mean that what god, what a you know, he must have I got to say too, also how can the mom not notice that smell in that in the for room like, for in the room the for source. a week? I mean, if it was under her house, yes, that's one thing. Yeah. But if it like under the the freaking bed, I mean, geez. I mean, a rotting dead body has a very particular smell to it. Thankfully, I I don't know that smell. I've seen like a couple like uh, cadavers and stuff at like a medical because I was ta- I was taking like a, a biology class, so there was a couple. I was like, oh, extra credit, go to this cadaver thing. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, so you weird. actually you actually saw dead bodies? Yeah, uh, but the you know it's cadavers. You know, they're I don't really know these people, so um, was it was it? interesting though just to see the human body and and to actually see it in person. You know, the different yeah. sort of. I might be. And able I've, to do I've that. seen the I've seen the body works thing too, but I think they do things. It's body works at at Omsi was something where you know it was like wax or actually I think it was regular bodies, but there was like from they were like. They weren't stinking because they like were covered in something or whatever. Chemicaled up. Yeah. Yeah. Just I think about rotten trash. You know, think about like trash, garbage. You know that you haven't cleaned up. That's it's probably even more of a of a of a horrible smell than that. So. Well, I mean, I can tell you this. I've, I've smelt plenty of dead animals, and we are essentially the same, you know, yeah. ma- makeup of animals. So I, I could – and, yeah, it's a very – yeah, it's 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 stinky. It's smelly. It's like uh, – it's like shit times, like, three or four. Like the – Yeah. The well, your bo- it's also shit because your body, when it dies, does actually release its bowels. So, so hopefully nobody's eating their uh, – you know, little Debbie you shouldn't snack be cakes. you shouldn't be eating dinner while you're listening to this podcast. Anyway. They might be. I don't know. Oh, if you are, if you're eating a cheeseburger or whatever, some pasta or a salad while you're listening to us. Cool. Um, but if you're doing that, if you're comfortable in doing that, I think you can handle it. I think you already have an iron stomach. That's true. I don't. Um so yeah, that's that's that case. I mean, I really don't have anything else to say about it. That guy's, uh, you know, I think he's a piece of crap. Um, that he would, he's I mean, piece of shit. It's just so selfish. Um, you know, he 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 would to think to even think to like take from his girlfriend's mother who put them up in her house and let yeah, them sleep that, in her bed. That alone is is bad enough. But then you kill your wife on top of that I, I think because she called you on your bullshit. Oh, your boyfriend and girl, whatever. You kill your girlfriend for that? When she called you out on your bullshit? Yeah, so that's, um, you know, he's dead, thankfully. You know, one less of those people out on the street. Um, 
that was a that was a pretty good pick. Uh, escapes me who exactly picked it. Um, it's a short one, but it's memorable because of the whole just tragic, you know, uh, instance. It's just this whole tragic case itself. You know how the mom discovers the body and everything. To me, it's just completely unforgettable. You know, there's a case. I'll never, this, I'll never forget that. This reminds me of a case that happened in the late '90s. I was a kid. I remember it to this day. It was in Jacksonville. I think it made national news because it was so gruesome. Um, it was it was a girl named Maddie Clifton, and um, she uh, was murdered here in Jacksonville by her older sister and her older sister's boyfriend. And her body was actually shoved underneath a waterbed in oh. I think their room or something and oh. um yeah it was a sa- kind of a similar thing they start the parents you know started you know smelling something and and she was and, and but Maddie Clifton was only mm-hmm. god she was only six or seven she was real young I and, mean if you think about that that might be even more fucked up than what this guy did because oh, it's yeah. the sister yeah I mean how the hell could you do, do that to your sister yeah, I mean, I remember that it was so bad that my my dad actually like turned the TV off and he like had a talk with me and my brother about how the world was you know getting worse and all that and that was back way back when and yeah I mean it was it was a pretty bad case. Um, if anyone's interested in that kind of shit, you could probably look it up somewhere. But um, well, at least they they solved it. They you know yeah. It's not an there was all history. kinds of weird um, uh, conjecture going on at the time. Like the boyfriend had a book, uh, like a hundred and one ways to kill your little sister, or some some shit like what? that. Yeah, that was, there was there's a book. Yeah, there's, that's uh, fucked up. But yeah, they actually they actually beat her to death with a baseball bat. Um, and then uh. yeah, it, it was you know, there was all kinds of weird stuff going on surrounding that case. Um, so that's well, what, that's what this case reminded me of. In order to liven things up a bit for you guys, uh, let's talk about something that's a little bit less depressing. You guys are killing me this month. <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, the case of the tiny mummy, Aww. or the San the San Pedro mummy. Now, uh, this is sort of like a sideshow attraction of sorts. It's a very short segment. But it stood out to me because it was just it was so weird. It was like it sounded like so it was like something I could totally see on Ripley's Believe It or Not. And I guess it kinda appealed to me like in that aspect. Um I have expected Jack Palance to start talking about it. On Ripley's Believe It. <sighs> <laughs> what what else is he doing there, Mike? <laughs> Well, he always did that a lot, you know, his heavy breathing thing. Uh, I, you've seen Batman, right? Come on, you've seen Batman. Which with Michael one? Keaton and Jack Nicholson, Yes, right? that one I have seen All as right. of last year, yes. Good, finally, okay. I know. No, I mean, his his character in that was uh, uh, Grissom, and he's all like, Jack, <laughs> <sighs> you're my number one guy. Sounds so, like sounds like the uh, fat guy, like off that scene in Family Guy. It's like, oh, it's like uh, Jake and the Fat Man, and it shows the Fat Man. He's like, yeah, do you think that uh, Danish had cheese in it? And the guy's like, yeah, I don't know. What about this murder? He's like, yeah, I got a little problem with cheese. Uh, let me rest my eyes a little bit. <laughs> he's like falling asleep. Yeah, random yeah. Family Guy reference. Sorry, that shows exactly. Close. But uh, Jack Palance used to host a Ripley's Believe It or Not TV show in the '80s. So, anyway, 
So Robert Stack uh, talks about this one. And this is, uh, it started, here's the details, so to speak. In 1932, Cecil Mann and Frank Carr were exploring the San Pedro Mountains in Wyoming when they found an unusual mummified figure within a cave. Uh, and uh, earlier, Robert Stack was talking about how these Native Americans used to worship these races of little people whom they believed had magical powers. So it's kind of insinuated that, oh, maybe this mummy is one of these little people. So uh, Frank Carr and Cecil Mann believe that the mummy may have been exactly like what I was saying, a race of one, an example of one of these little people that were known in American Native American Indian culture. And a year later, the mummy was sold to a used car salesman. Because typical, why not? <laughs> who had a sideshow for several years. And uh, then he gave it to another man who brought it to a scientist who had x-rays done on the figure. I think there was also like a few little things that were like mentioned in this segment. They were all like, oh, there's a curse or something. But like really, really isn't like they were trying to make it interesting, kind of like the King Tut's curse. But it really wasn't. There really wasn't enough there. So um, it just became the whole sort of thing is like, oh, well, no one knows where this mommy is. Uh, and they don't necessarily know what it is either. So earlier, though, the used car salesman guy ended up giving it to another guy who brought uh, the tiny cave mummy to a scientist who had x-rays done on the figure. The x-rays revealed what, that the remains were of a species between a mature infant or an undersized human being. To date, no one is quite sure what the figure is or what happened to it. And in 1950, a scientist was given the mummy for study. It was actually last seen in 1975, and it has never been relocated, uh, according to this particular segment, uh, where this uh, particular segment uh, ran on the February 2nd, 1994 episode. Now, this case was actually updated, because on the series Monumental Mysteries, a different mystery show, it was revealed that an airing of the segment forced a couple to realize that they had a similar mummy in their possession, it also originated from the San Pedro mountain, Mountains. I can even say the word mountains for some reason. You're An analysis great, of, their, of their remains showed the mummy was that of an infant dating back several thousand years that suffered from amencephaly, an enlarged brain. I, I, that's kind of what I thought as well. Because when I saw this, I was like, it looks like one of those babies that have had, had amencephaly. So while the original remains have never been found, it's believed that they both share the same characteristics. Oh, so they kind of found it, but kind of not. So woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember this segment because they they're they it was like a, a sideshow exhibit, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there was um, there was this one guy who like kept wanting to go into this exhibit he like kept mo paying money to go into the exhibit to study this thing and it's under ice right wasn't it mm -hmm. yeah and um they're really guarded about about this thing um sorry this one i i did not uh actually watch before we uh did the podcast i'm going off of my fuzzy memories here but um they did an x-ray on it, and the, I, I remember thinking that it, it, it 
looked more like a deformed kind of infant rather than anything else. There's, I, it seems like you, it seems like I've heard about so many cases of these tiny kind of creatures or whatever you want to call them. Like, and all they have is the skeletal remains. And it's always mm. from a long time ago. And people always want to make it seem like it was, you know, this, this kind of, you know, alien hominid or something like that. Yeah. But in reality, it was, pro it, you know, it's probably just some kind of deformation of some kind, you know, or it could be a yeah. hoax altogether. I mean, that's, that's also very possible. Um, but I thought it was interesting because it, it was out of left field for the show. For me, it was just like, Oh, tiny cave mummy. Okay. All right. Interesting. Okay. Native American mythology. All right. And then, you know, it didn't really have an update. So it was just like, okay, it's not, no one's found it. So <laughs> it was just kind of like, all right, it was interesting. But there's not much else to really say about it. It's like, I don't know what else to say about it, except apparently uh, some, some couple had a similar uh, mummified uh, infant, which had the same uh, uh, disorder, you know, or, or I don't know if it's a disease or not. I don't think it's a disease. It's a, it's a, uh, yeah, it's more of a congenital like disorder of some kind. And uh, then they just said, okay, then that's probably what it is. And is that all there is to it? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, there's a Wikipedia page that talks about it. I'm going to... The San, pa the San Pedro Mountains Mummy. Uh, it's in October 1932, while digging for gold in the San Pedro Mountains in Carbon County, Wyoming, two prospectors, Cecil Maine and Frank Carr, blasted their way through some thick rock that a large vein of gold continued into. So that's another thing that kind of, you know, caught my eye with this segment is that it was kind of like a treasure segment, but like they also found something else. Speaking of treasure segments, we got to cover Marcos's Buddha at some yes, point. Yes, absolutely. And when the dust settled, they saw that they had opened up a small room, approximately four feet tall, four feet wide, and about 15 feet deep. This is where they said they first saw the mummy of a tiny person. And this is where they got the little bit of the sort of thing where it was like a curse or whatever. You need to return the mummy back to where it came from, or, you know, type deal. This is also reminiscent of the Yeti segment as well, where yeah. they go and they, you know, he, he finds the hand, you know, of the Yeti and all that kind of, which is uh -huh. also another great segment that I don't think we So the, the first mummy was examined using x-rays, which determined that it was the body of an encephalic infant whose cranial deformity gave it the appearance of a miniature adult. Uh, the second, a second mummy was then examined by the university of Wyoming anthropologist, George Gill and Denver's children's hospital, Denver's children's blah, 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 in the Denver's children's hospital. I don't know why that fucked me up so much. In the 1990s was also shown to be an encephalic infant. I can say that fine. <laughs> then DNA testing showed it to be native American and radiocarbon dating dated it about to about 1700 so that might have been fake a hoax or something according to the july 7 1979 an article in the casper star tribune the first mummy started debates over whether it was a hoax a baby or one of the legendary little people the mummy ended up in a met medic ne this is kind of hard to say anyway a metis a metatetsi wyoming drugstore 
where it is was shown as an attraction for several years before it was bought by Ivan T. Goodman, a Casper, Wyoming businessman slash car salesman. The mummy was then passed on to Leonard Wilder, a New York businessman, and his present location is unknown. Seeking to prove, prove evolution wrong, an offer of ten thousand of a ten thousand dollar reward was made for the person who finds the missing mummy. Prove evolution wrong. How would that prove evolution wrong? I have no idea. I have no clue. Anyway, that was that segment. Uh, that was uh, that was suggested to us by. Oh jeez, I don't. I I probably should have gotten the names of the people who suggested these, but somebody wanted to hear about that one, and and there you have it. Um, so moving on to our final segment before we get into our Q and A, um, we have this one was was highly um, suggested. I believe it was Hannah who suggested this one, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. One of our Patreons. We are very. A case of Angelo Desideri. Yes. Oh, I love his last his last name stood out to me for some reason. I guess, I guess it's kind of because of the way Robert Stack said it. You know, it stood out to me because it was really hard for me to pronounce and like in my mind and spell. So it, it, I just started writing Angelo instead of including it. And then and then he sounded like a, a mobster or something. That's another thing I thought. So on the afternoon of June 5th, 1998, a prosperous businessman named Angelo Desideri disappeared from his home, and no one knows why. His family, of course, believes that he met with foul play, although some feel he wanted to disappear. So it's one of these cases. Was the guy murdered? Did he want to disappear? Let's find mm-hmm. out. 57-year-old Angelo was a devout Catholic who studied for the priesthood, which is a stunning dichotomy given uh, the other stuff about this guy. He lived a quiet. Yeah. He lived a quiet life with his parents in a Phoenix suburb. Wow, that's old. I'm not the only one who lives with my parents until an old age. Now I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they meant that he lives with his. He lived with his parents still, or if he lived with his parents in that Phoenix suburb. Meaning, I, his... I th- yeah, I, I think I don't think he lives with his parents because it seemed like he was well off enough. I, I think it was just one of those cases where either he let his parents live with him, which does happen. Or they were in the same neighborhood. Okay, bummer. Okay, I, th- I thought uh, I thought I had a new precedent for. Hey, at least I'm not that 57 year old guy who still lived with his parents. Well, there probably are people like that. I hope. so. And the economy, the way it is, is makes that probably more likely than not, especially nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I could I could live on my own right now, but I honestly, just don't give a shit. You know, it's like I'm saving money. I can't. So, thank. Uh, I'm really thankful for my my parents, you know, letting me, you know, live with them. I could. It's just like, you know, I don't know. It's like I I feel like the quality of my stuff might suffer if I have to. Yeah, you don't want to deal with uh, roommates again and things like that. I mean, I don't know. The beginning the beginning of uh, 2017, I'll 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 weigh my options and see see you know where I stand with my bills and everything. I'll figure it out. But anyway, um. His friends describe him as a perfectionist. This guy's very OCD, very clean, much like myself. Um, he had a couple of close friends, but never married. Which, again, is kind of bizarre, being 57 years old, never married. But, again, kind of a man after my own heart. I could see myself being that old uh, and hey, never marrying. He's trying to save his money, and, may, you know, he'll have, maybe he, he has some girlfriends or whatever on the side. But, True. you know. Well, no, he's... Studying for the priesthood, so celibacy's got to kind of be in there. So I don't know if he's got girlfriends on the side. Um, 
Angelo loved the finer things in life and supported his affluent lifestyle by opening a shopping center and an import store. On the morning of Monday, June 6th, a neighboring shopper noticed Angelo's store was closed. One of his friends drove out to his home to see if there's anything wrong, and he noticed a few things that were off, like an alarm not being on and other things of that nature. His friend phoned 911. Uh, the Phoenix, Arizona police show up. Now, if you listen to the Don Devereaux interview, you'll know that the Phoenix PD was pretty screwy for a long period of time, especially in the 70s and 80s. Um, not saying that police had anything to do with this, but I just thought that was a funny little uh, under underscore there. Mm. Um, inside of uh, Angelo's place, he was nowhere to be found. The house was undisturbed. Apparently, he... Um, he had been interrupted while preparing lunch. On the kitchen table, Angelo had laid piles of bills as if he was preparing to pay them. In the living room, there was two new pairs of pants and a shopping bag. In the bag was a receipt that showed that Angelo had bought them that previous afternoon. Dolores, Angelo's sister, was saying how nothing was really missing except an attache case and a few personal items, but that was it. Seemed like he left in a hurry. In the garage, investigators discovered a telling clue. Angelo's car cover lay crumbled on the floor. Angelo was compulsively neat and always folded the cover after removing it. A neighbor fueled police's suspicion when he said he saw Angelo's car pulling out quickly from his driveway a few days earlier. At 6.32 on Monday evening, only 30 hours after Angelo disappeared, but 400 miles from Phoenix... A 1985 Cadillac was found ablaze in a San Diego parking lot. An accelerant had been used to set the car on fire. When San Diego authorities examined the car, there were no personal items in it whatsoever. There were no signs of 4th century, and it was meticulously cleaned before it had been burned. And that was obvious because if it had made such a long trip, there were no bugs in the bumper or anything like that. You know, it was like spotless and then just set on fire. Um... After processing the vehicle, there was literally nothing in the car, not even the spare tire. It was almost as if whatever was in the trunk or anywhere, it was just all taken up in one, you know, fell swoop and dropped somewhere. And just nothing was left behind, which is, which is just as suspicious as a bloody van. A, you know, a, a car that is too clean and too perfect is just as suspicious as something that's got blood all over it, as, as yeah. far as police are concerned. Um, and rightfully so. Yeah. But if somebody's super OCD, then it would probably be like that anyway. Yeah, well, there would at least be some personal effects in there if, if the person really did want to leave willingly. Well I, don't, well, I don't know. I mean, some people are really, really super OCD, so, you know, things would be in a particular place. All I'm talking about is, like, personal effects, okay, yeah, but I'm just talking about the car itself being clean. Oh, yeah. That's not really necessarily an example of foul play. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of hard with this in this case. Cause the unless guy, it's known that the guy who owns the car is a, is a slob, then okay. Yeah. Then it, then it would be, that would be, uh, a possible, uh, example of foul play. It'd be a red herring. Yes. Been waiting so long to use that term. Uh, Phoenix police retraced the journey back from San Diego to see if they could find any clues. Uh, they checked gas stations, car washes. Uh, no one had seen Angelo, although two witnesses did see the car minutes before it was torched. Uh, 
The man who tor torched the car kind of looked like Angelo, but no one could conclusively say that, yes, it was definitely him. Yeah, that's the that was the moment where I'm like, no, I don't think he staged his disappearance. Because if some if it actually was him, they'd be like, it was him. It wasn't like he kind of looked like him. Yeah, so in the disappearance of Angelo, there are still perplexing circumstances. Why would he have left his house in, in, in you know, kind of such a quick manner with his lunch still laid out? and Because he and was that? taken out of his house, like those other well, that's, people that we've talked about. <laughs> that's what we're getting to. I'm, I'm, I'm building a, a castle of storyline here. Oh, I know. I know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, who was standing next to his car before it was torched? Why did he torch his car? Uh, his friends say there's no way it was any that there was anything illegal going on on his part. Uh, and then the segment ends saying that the pieces don't fit. There's just one piece of this puzzle that doesn't fit, and if they could find that piece and they could so find out where Angelo was. Well, there's an update to this. Um, do you have the update in front of you, Mike? Yeah. Okay, go ahead and, uh, the and case is, uh that. The case is actually solved. Uh, Joe Callow confessed to this murder as well as six others. I was like, six others? Okay. Though he named James Majors as the actual killer. Callow told police that he rang Desiderio's doorbell, asked for a glass of water, and then kidnapped him at gunpoint. That just that just shows you how you can't trust people. You can't trust... I, I mean, yeah, it, I'm sorry. Like, you want to be a nice guy. You want to be this type of person who's nice to everybody in the neighborhood. I understand that, and I'm all for that to a certain point. But if you don't know who the person is, I'm not letting them in my house for a glass of water. I'm sorry. No. I'm just I, I don't know who this person is and I'm not going to trust this person. It's nothing against the person. The person could have been a really nice person. But then it could be somebody like this who knows that I'm well off, I'm affluent, I have all this money and, you know, all right, they know that this guy's a, a, a good neighbor and a good Samaritan. They know they can take advantage of him. They know they could, they could easily. They knew that they could have gotten the house. That's precisely. That's exactly what happened. So they asked for a glass of water. They kidnapped him at gunpoint, and then somewhere between Phoenix and San Diego, uh, James Majors killed. He uh, he killed Angelo Desideri, and he put his body in the trunk of his car. He then buried him next to a tree after purchasing a pick and shovel. His body that was then finally found on April 29th, 1989, in Kitchen Creek. California. Callow and Majors had been hired to murder him on the orders of Romano Sibaroca, a known drug trafficker. Callow received life in prison and died in 2010. Majors received the death penalty, but for another case in California, and he is still on death row in this, at San Quentin State Prison. It is unknown if Sibaroca was convicted in the crime. That was an interesting uh, point there. Kind of a, a very kind of, uh, you know, strange revelation. Okay, why were they hired to murder this guy on the orders of a known drug trafficker? Was Angelo Desideri actually trafficking drugs? Was he not really living up to his Catholic beliefs? Was he not who he says he was? Yeah, there's this article that... Um Hannah sent uh, in relation to this uh, because uh, the Joe Callow guy who was the one who was um, 
indicted for first degree murder and kidnapping. Um, there's this whole article about kind of the situation. Um, it's apparently it's his wife, uh, of course. Um, it, you know, there's mob ties and all that, and that that was going on hardcore in Phoenix, especially if you listen to Don Devereaux interview. Um, apparently, she had a diary. Um, I could probably post links to this in the description instead of me just like reading yeah. this. It'd probably be the better thing to do. That's what I'll do. Yeah, I'll post links to this in the description, and you can kind of read more up on this if you'd like. Um, but yeah, there, there it, it it's 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 really interesting stuff. Uh, there's more to this. Um, it's kind of like we told you kind of the cliff notes, kind of the main theme of everything. But uh, that if you do want to kind of go in deeper, if you're into the true crime kind of stuff, um, th- this is pretty interesting. So, yeah, I'll definitely have that in the description. But. Um, yeah, so, you know, you have um, Joe, you know, he was caught, he was uh, indicted, you know, and um then you have this other guy, that James Majors guy, who's in custody, but he was never actually formally charged. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still would like to find this hardware store where these tools were purchased to um, dig the hole to bury Angelo. And also, um, uh, they want to find the people who apparently this uh, Majors guy, you know, after he dug the hole, he gave these tools that he used these bloody tools he gave them to um some some poor i guess mexican migrant workers or something in the surrounding area instead of discarding the uh the tools i guess knowing that if they're you know of mexican origin you know they're originally from mexico they're not going to go and and contact johnny law you know they're going to just keep their their noses clean and just you know be like, oh, okay whatever we didn't see anything yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty cut and dry. It was a murder. Um, it sucked, obviously. I mean, he was a yeah. priest and a priesthood. Sounded like a okay well, guy. and he, he sounded like an okay guy. But what is up with this connection with a drug dealer? I mean, it could be something where he saw something he shouldn't have and knew too much. Or it could also be on the flip side. It could have been competition. Why was he so, why did he have so much money? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, maybe those businesses were in a front. Or, a or front. maybe he has, that. he had those businesses because of his drug money. Oh man, you know, we got to talk about that case of the guy who had the damn tunnel that went from his yes, house. Absolutely. To, oh that man. Was- yeah. As soon as fan request month is over, we got some juicy segments that we've been wanting to talk about and some other segments from uh, show sightings. And mm-hmm. hell, I, I, I want to talk about the case of the missing uh, flight three one, or whatever, the Malaysian flight that disappeared. I just want to talk about that case. I wasn't even on anything. Um, got a bunch of cool stuff coming up in two, uh, 2017 uh, as soon as the request month is over. But, you know, we wanted to give back to the fans. And speaking... Of giving of back. That, we we got your questions right here. So right here I, I was thinking. So you want? I got them in front of my face too. So I thought I'd I'd say one, and then you say another, okay, and then, then we go back and forth type day. I guess just in. do their first names, right? Yeah. Okay. We got Michael here. He's the uh, he says. Uh, what is the scariest slash creepiest segment in each of your opinions? 
I would probably say the Blind River rest stop segment. That was pretty creepy for me, but I would probably say the Alagash abductions. That creeped me out for days after I first saw that when I was a kid. You bastard. That's the same one. I, honestly, uh, yeah, that uh, I'd have to go with the Alagash abductions as far as the scariest, creepiest segment. Um it's really it's the guys at the end who are are giving their kind of deposition of what happened coupled with the music and then coupled and with the, the dr- and the art the art yeah yeah all of that together was just a just a maestro can put that together i mean that was beautiful um how they put that together it's so creepy so scary so uh just hit me in a place that no, a normal TV show doesn't normally hit me as far as the the feels and the emotions. Yeah. Um, another, uh, I guess, if I had to choose a different one from Mike, another uh, real creepy one for me. Um, well, we talked about that one with that creepy lady, with the creepy laugh. I know, I know. Ghost Boy used to be until I knew about the bullshit yeah, of the story. Yeah, Ghost Boy used to be. The Rain Boy one is is pretty creepy. Um, God, I know, I know one will come to me. Ghost lights. That one's pretty creepy because it's just like a light. and Nobody knows what that one. Interesting. Interesting. That one is just, I don't know. That one never really creeped me out. That one's weird to me because I remember being a kid and like, I'd always the Marfa ghost lights. Yeah, I'd always be looking up in the sky and like I I never saw anything, thankfully, because I think it would have traumatized me. But I I always remember like when I saw that ghost light thing, I just remember thinking like if I was a kid and I saw this light and there is no explanation as to why it's there, what's making it, that would that that would be pretty damn scary to me, I would say. Yeah, it would definitely be very creepy. But I always thought the ghost lights, Marfa, I thought there was some kind of naturally occurring like something like ball lightning or whatever. I would but say I, another I, one for me would be um, missing time. The missing time one creeped mm-hmm. me out pretty good, uh, especially the girl when she's talking about how she walked outside the car and saw something and they don't mm-hmm. show what it is and she runs back and the next thought memory they have is her yeah. being on the blanket in the park and then they're you know getting the hell out of Dodge. Dave Box also, I think that's who it is, right? The guy. NLO. Who, yeah, that was pretty creepy to me. I, I saw that episode, I think, one of, one of the ones when it first aired, you know, a rerun on Lifetime when I was a kid. And yeah. I always just remember that standing out because of just uh, this mysterious circumstance of how he died and just how horrifying it would be to die that way if he was alive, if he was awake. The uh, the Area 51 Roswell connection segment was very creepy to me when the nurse was actually yeah. describing the the yeah, gray and the the reenactment with the grades yeah that was Those that are, I remember that just dis- disturbing me um, pretty good practical effects there as well so pretty much a lot of the UFO ones really as far as giving me like like goosebumps uh, the the any of the UFO ones the Australian UFO that that one's freaked me out when he goes. Uh, where he goes, um, it's not an aircraft. Those were his last words. Oh, and and of course, and of course, the tall man, the Tallman House. Yes, yes, Tallman House was very creepy. Uh, Black Hope Curse as well. Throw that one in the mix. So those mm-hmm. are those are probably the creepiest ones I would say. And we've so talked far. about pretty much 
every single one that creeped us out. Yeah, murders, murders don't, the most. murders don't creep me out because they're human beings being pieces of shit. Um, I don't know. Some of them do though. Like if it's like something where it's like some late night break in type thing, and then, but you know that always kind of when I was a kid, you know, always kind of creeped me out. You know, just the shots of people. You know, the one with the the guy who, like, flipped out after he got broken up. Oh, Rick, that, uh, Rick, um... Rick's Rampage? Yeah. That freaks me out, too. That's pretty creepy. I'd say the Zo- uh-huh. Zodiac Unabomber, that that was a pretty creepy murder one, because, uh, you know, the Zodiac, you know, he always Action. walked he, he always yeah. walked around with that badass, like, ba- badass, badass suit, <laughs> like, the Executioner, that yeah. black, like... And he had that like, uh, go look uh-huh. up the Zodiac uh, outfit. He's it, it's just. Or just, or just watch the movie Zodiac by David Fincher. Yeah. It's an excellent film. I, I actually saw that. that. I actually saw that motherfucker. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's two in one episode. I know, right? So yeah, those. I think. Um, I mean, really, there's none of the other psych- like categories I can oh. think of, uh, psychics or anything like that. Nothing, nothing really. No. So yeah, that that would be it. All right. So the next question comes from Summer. Um, have either one of you or anyone you know been directly related or know anyone that has been on Unsolved Mysteries? Quote uh, in parentheses: The ghost episodes always scared the shit out of me as a kid. When I watch the right episode, um, Robert Stack, it still gets me sometimes. Um, well, for me personally, as I talked about, Bonnie Haim would be the closest connection I would have with the show, well, and it's a very, very distant yeah. connection because my brother works for Michael Haim's uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you also have directly discussed and talked with Don Devereux. Yeah, um, which everyone, if they listen to this podcast, already knows yeah. all about that. Um, and, and I... My mom knew one of the guys who was one of the suspects for the burning the Eric, bed. The Eric Tomiyasu case. The yeah, Eric Tomiyasu case. Your mom took uh, the other um, what that 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 little wormy looking guy. I yeah. His name, but yeah. Yeah. Took his blood. It, yeah. Yeah. So that's. I mean, really, that's that's all. That's we, the only um, connections we have right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, hopefully, we'll get more yeah. in the future. As uh, we were supposed. Supposed to talk to Tiffany Tallman. That has hasn't come through yet. I'm really hoping uh, they'll get back to me. I would love to talk to her, but yeah, that's all yeah. we got for right now. I've had a couple extras from the show leave comments on my YouTube channel when I still had the links up. And speaking of that, we're in the process of trying to get a channel up and things like that. So, so Mike says, I, I, I'm just trying to see who wants to. <laughs> Like I could probably start one, but I don't. I don't know. It's it's the kind of just with the whole AdSense thing. We don't really know how. I might do that tonight. Yeah, go All ahead, right, Mike. Go for it. Uh, Dave asks, "How did you two meet and come up with this idea for the oh, podcast?" How appropriate that you ask this question. Yes, because uh, this was actually my idea. Um, I love the show, been a big fan of the show for many years. I think I was just in an Unsolved Mysteries kick because I was trying to I was looking for Unsolved Mysteries segments, uh, not just the ones that were on the box set. And then there's this website that my friend, uh, my my friend Matt was um, part of, he was a member of. And he sent me an invite to it and it has like these links for torrents and stuff. And there was just this slew of Unsolved Mysteries segments. And I was just like. Holy shit, I found the Holy Grail. So 
I, you know, when I, when it, I discovered that and I was watching through, you know, the first season or the season zero. And I was like, you know, this would be a fun thing to talk about just to talk about the show, talk about some segments, you know, do some vlog style videos. And then I started looking on YouTube to see if there's any other sort of, you know, maybe other episodes of the show or maybe just, and really also, I was also inspired by an article. It was an old article uh, that uh, X Entertainment did. And, and X Entertainment is a website that's still around, but really it's known as Dinosaur Dracula. And this guy did an article about Unsolved Mysteries and some of his favorite segments. And so it just got me into this sort of, I want to watch some segments. Where are these segments? And I did some, you know, YouTube searching and I came across Joss's video of, you know, the old Unsolved Mysteries versus the new. And I really liked that video. That was great. I, I love the production values. I, there's a really entertaining video. Um, I thought Josh was a good host. And, uh, you know, I left a comment. We started a back and forth. And just off the top of my head, just out of nowhere, I was like, hey, you know, I'm doing this sort of uh, Unsolved Mysteries thing. And, you know, you seem to be very knowledgeable about it. And you seem to be a big fan. So I, I just basically, you know, reached out my hand out there and said, hey, you, you want to, you know, collaborate with me? And uh, the rest is history. And then I changed it from a vlog sort of thing where it's just me and uh, to a podcast. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, on my end, you know, I, when I started my YouTube channel, um, every video I had done up until episode seven on my channel, which was the, un the faded Unsolved Mysteries video that Mike is talking about, hadn't done anything like I every episode was getting like a hundred views and that's a trend that continues to this day but that episode um in particular started picking up heat as soon as I uploaded it it was an idea I had a, a long time ago because I was like I knew I had old VHS tapes of the shitty Dennis Farina revamp and I knew I had the box set of the old show so I was like why don't I do a YouTube episode where I compare exactly why because I knew I hated the revamp but I never really sat down and thought about why I didn't like it I just knew I didn't like it so I sat down and I broke down, okay, this, uh, I just really studied the, the new Farina episodes. I was like, okay, they took this out, they did this, they did this. And I made this video about it because I just, I found it interesting. And that, vi that video started getting a lot of heat, started getting a lot of views, and to this day it still does, and comments and all. And Mike was one of the many people who commented. And uh, I, I guess his comment was more insightful than the others because most people just said, oh, great video. Oh, I love the old show. I wish they'd bring it back. But Mike, you know, was kind of more about it, you know. And so, yeah, we commented back and forth. We exchanged email addresses. And um, he started telling me about this podcast. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I thought my initial thought was, that's a stupid idea. No one's going to want to <laughs> listen to a podcast about a show that they can't even watch anymore. Like, if we were doing a podcast on, like, Game of Thrones or something, yeah, I could see that. I could see people wanting to watch Well, to I, can't, to I can't see that because there's probably so much competition with that. Yeah. Well, see, that's, that goes into your, I guess, business acumen on knowing, like, what would be decent ideas and compared to me. Because uh, it turned out uh, we did the first episode. Um well, before that, we actually talked on Skype. Me and Mike just talked as just people. Like, because we wanted to do that at first because, 
you know, it's a good thing to do first to actually discuss and actually talk for a bit before you actually do anything. Yeah, and just see if we got along at all or had any kind yeah. of chemistry. And we both just flapped our gums for a long period of time. So it's like, oh, yeah, we could probably talk about Unsolved Mysteries yeah. for, you know, an hour or two. Uh-huh. So yeah, we did the first episode and I didn't I didn't check the SoundCloud for like 2 weeks and then I went back and you know cuz I'm so used to everything I put out like not getting any views or attention and I checked the SoundCloud and like the first episode gotten like 300 plays and I'm like, "What? Like this is this is bizarre. I don't even know how people found this." And I just started noticing that it would just kept getting more and more plays and I was like, you know, well, damn, okay, so we just kept doing it, and I don't know, it just kind of, that's that's how the whole yeah. thing started. I mean, our podcast isn't the biggest one out there. No, but, not you by know, any means. For, but for a podcast that just started, I mean, I, I would have to say we're, we're probably ahead of the curve when it comes to um, how many viewers and listeners you have. Because normally when you just start a podcast, like, I mean, I don't know, I mean, Getting to 2,000, you know, views consistently is, is a pretty good start. It's like a really good start. And um, I, I, you know, I've really enjoyed this. It's been fun. Uh, you know, it's been something that is, it, it's, I don't have to just, it's not movies. I, I love talking about movies. It's a huge passion of mine. But sometimes it's nice to talk about something that isn't a movie and, you know, I, I have always had a big passion for this show and to come across somebody who has just as big of a passion for it, you know, has been great. And I, I think we've become, you know, pretty good friends. And, uh, you know, it shows you that, you know, we have one thing that we really have in common, but there's other stuff which we're not really. But it does. That really doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, this podcast wouldn't work without the two of us, I don't think, because I, I need someone to bounce stuff off of and yeah. vice versa. And and I just couldn't do it with somebody who doesn't know about the show or doesn't love the show. And yeah. I don't know. It's like, and I think it's vice versa. I, Mike, I appreciate, you know? yeah, I appreciate greatly having Josh because I, I had never really done much collaborating other than with my good friend Matt on a few podcasts. So this is, this is way out of my comfort zone. And I'm glad that I took that leap because, you know, not only to sort of, you know, create a little bit of a friendship, but also to, you know, have this podcast, which I I think is uh, really I look forward to it. It's gotten to the point now where I look forward to it every week. Yeah, same here, especially this one when I did the Q&A and I saw so many responses. I was like, oh, sweet. All right. Next question. Uh, Our our dear friend, Mike, probably more your dear friend. I think he's a. Yeah, Mike's one of the most decent guys, man. Like I, I met him. You know, he's one of Mike, Mike, who's on the podcast right now. He's one of his people or whatever part of his clan. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's Mike's like kind of gotten into my stuff too, and he's just a really genuine, sweet kid. And, and I don't mean to call you a kid, but he's you know he's really young. But uh, he he's a really nice dude. He asks, yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he asks. Um, I have question a question for both you guys. What is Josh's favorite song, and how many movies does Mike own on Laserdisc? Um, first song that's coming to my head right now, that would be, I mean, obviously I have a million songs, but the first one that comes to mind is one of my favorite songs is the song Mama by Genesis. Hmm. 
It's one I'm not too familiar with, so I probably have to go listen to that. Check it. It's Phil Collins at his mo- most badass. The composition of the song is amazing. Phil mm-hmm. Collins does this creepy laugh thing in the middle of the song. He's like, ha, 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 wow. It sounds really weird. <laughs> it's so different, you know. It's like yeah. ge- it's like Genesis at their most experimental. Uh, Phil Collins at his most experimental. When you mm-hmm. when you hear the words Phil Collins. You don't think you don't usually think experimental. Well, you're not a Genesis fan then because they did some very weird stuff in Genesis. Highly Mm -hmm. recommend not only that to go out and listen to that song, but uh, listen to some of Genesis's um, like uh, late 70s and 80s stuff. And uh, that's Phil Collins at his best. One of the best drummers of all time. Highly underrated as a drummer. How many laser discs does Mike own? (laughs) I don't know the exact number. I did end up trading a, a handful of them to a good friend of mine named Shonda for a bunch of uh, Fangoria magazines. But um, I'm thinking maybe 100 or a little bit less than that. Damn. Because Laserdiscs, they take up a lot of space. So it might be one of those things where it looks like you have more than you really do. Um, but I have a decent amount of them, that's for sure. Why is the picture uh, quality so bad on laser discs? It's like a disc. Why isn't it like DVD? It's quality? not bad, really. Actually, it depends on what laser disc you're watching and what you're watching them on. Uh, laser discs were originally meant to be watched on CRT, you know, plasma type TVs. Yeah. When you watch them on flat today's flat screen TVs, it doesn't look as good as it probably would on the format that it's meant to be played on. Also, it depends on the player that you're using. Um, I have a DVL 700, I think, and it was one of the first ones that actually play DVDs as well. And it actually has the option where you can, you don't have to flip the disc. It'll automatically do that. Ooh. So, you know, you put in a disc and it automatically scan both sides, which is really cool. Now, if it's multiple discs, though, no, you have to take the disc out and then put the second disc in and so on. But um, some laser discs are better than others. If you have one that's using a uh, transfer that's just, uh, I'd like to call it a pan and scan. And a pan and scan is the dreaded pan and scan, which is where they take a widescreen film and they chop off the sides. If you have that type of release, then no, it's not going to look that great. But even then, sometimes it doesn't look that bad. Um I think and some of the laser discs that I have are on par with DVD, at least early DVDs in terms of their quality. And they're definitely better than a VHS. Mm. All right. Go to the next question, Mike. It's your turn. Um, Shelly asks, have you ever been detained by the police? <laughs> uh, no. I, I don't do anything that gets me involved with the police usually. If I get – I'll, I'll – I'll, I'll I'll tell you a little story about, you know, that that involves me and the police, but not me getting detained or anything. It's actually a two-parter sort of thing. So when I was in Oklahoma City uh, living with my dad, I'm going to mention – I'm going to talk about this particular moment and then I'm going to talk about another one. So when I was in Oklahoma Oklahoma City with my dad, I was just – there was – the buses sucked. So uh, I had to walk pretty much everywhere. So I'm walking. I got my backpack. I got all this stuff. A cop on his bike rolls up next to me and, you know, I take out my headphones and stuff and he's like talking to me and whatever. And he's saying, you know, yeah, you fit the description of some guy, you know, who's like going around, you know, 
stealing things and stuff like that. So, you know, we're just checking, you know, I'm like, you know, checking your badge, throw it in my bag and, you know, some, some few movies that I got from some thrift store or something, even show it in the receipt. He's like, yeah, okay. You know, you mind if we like keep you dead, you know, you know, write your name down or I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, that's all it came. That's all that all, that's all it was. It just ended there. Like I didn't get a call back or anything, or it wasn't like you're arrested or none of that shit. Um, but the other moment was, I was being dumb. I was being stupid. This is my fault. Sometimes I get so worked up and so excited when I'm going to pawn shops and place and get movies that I completely just like my brain just shuts off and I'm only folk. I, I, and I think it's because of my Asperger's. I just completely just focus on one thing and, and this other stuff just completely just doesn't really come to mind. And that other stuff is my wallet. So what happens is I'm at this pawn shop and uh, I ask if I can see the stuff in the back, some VHS tapes and stuff like that. And I absentmindedly left my wallet on the counter. Well, I come back around and my wallet's missing and I'm like, oh, great. And then they, uh, somebody stole it. So this is where it gets kind of the police get involved because, of course, I end up trying to, you know, file a, a claim, you know, file, uh, uh, you know, missing wallet thing. They call the police, the pawn shop. But this actually gets pretty funny because the pawn shop, Easy Pawn, they they can look at their security camera footage. And so they take a look at their security camera footage and they're like, <laughs> they recognize the guy instantly. Like he's a regular customer. They have his name and everything in the system. So they were easily able to, once the cop came in, to give the cop the address for this guy. <laughs> and so they ended up... Um, I was I, I went back home because there wasn't much else they could do. So I then hear the doorbell ring and I'm watching a movie or something. But eventually I hear it like I actually hear a loud knock on the door. If it's a doorbell. I guess I didn't hear it. And so I run up to the door and I because I, I was expecting police or something. And like I didn't have I actually heard the guy say something. So I'm like, oh, police. OK, but I'm I, I don't have a shirt on. I, I didn't put my glasses on. <laughs> So I'm shirtless, no glasses, open the door, the cops are there. And, you know, he's like, yeah, we found your wallet. And I'm like, awesome. And apparently the guy only, he didn't even do anything with my card. Um, and I didn't actually think about canceling my card yet, but he didn't do anything with it. And apparently all he did was cash like one of my $10 bills. So I lost like five bucks. And the cop guy was like, the cop was pretty funny about it. He's like, yeah, um, you know, this is pretty much what happened. You know, they had his address in the system. I went over there and I just told the guy, I said, you know, all right, you either give me the wallet or you're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Walker, Texas Ranger. And uh, he's like, the guy gave me the wallet. So, um, yes, I have been detained by police. Uh, <laughs> wow. I um, was 22 years old. I went and visited my friend in Gainesville, Florida, which is, uh, I might already told the story in the podcast, whatever. Um, uh, I, when I was in Gainesville, I hung out with her and around 8 PM, she said that she had a headache and she just wanted to go to bed. So I was kind of stuck out in Gainesville and I didn't feel like going home yet. You know, this was when I was younger and I was young and stupid and, um, 
my friend who also lived in Gainesville was having uh, some nerd land party thing, which I didn't even know what that was at the time. Now I know. It's LAN? A, yeah, LAN. Like, yeah. A bunch of nerds bring their computers into one room and they all go get on one network and play some uh-huh. game. I'm not trying to pass judgment calling them nerds, but these guys were nerds. Um, I mean, I'm talking, Nerds. I'm talking like the stereotypical Doritos and Mountain Dew fingers and all that kind of stuff. So oh, okay. I just start pounding beers at this place. There's one cute girl in this whole land party. And I'm like, okay, my goal is to like talk to this one cute girl. And that's my whole purpose for being here. And I'm just pounding beers because that's how I handled any kind of social situation when I was younger. I just drank until I felt good and confident. So she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to this club in Gainesville to see this ska band. You want to go? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. You know, the beers had kicked in. And as soon as I went to this club, this girl ditched my ass and started talking to her band guys that she knew up there. And I spent the whole time at this club by myself because this girl ditched me. I didn't know anybody in that city. I was just by myself in this bar. And it was actually a cool bar. I think it's called 1982 is the name of the bar. And... um. They they had all these like retro video game systems in there and shit. It's a place I would probably enjoy now, but then I was just so nervous to be in public most of the time. So I just kept ordering more and more beers from the bar, and like I stayed and watched these bands because like they were ska bands, which I don't normally like ska, but live it was pretty good. You know, seeing like the horns section and all that. So anyway, I go back uh, at the end of the concert. It's like 3.30 in the morning. I go back to this party, which is still going on. These nerds are still playing this computer game. They've been playing it for like six to seven hours at this point. And I was like, hey, man, the guy that I knew, I was like, can I crash here? And he's like, yeah, but my friend Dallas already called the bed. So there's no really place for you to sleep. But I mean, you can crash here if you want. So basically that meant I'd have to sleep on the floor. Now, Jacksonville was only a, a, an hour away drive at this point, so I was like, fuck it, I can just drive an hour and be sleeping in my own bed. Uh, so no. then, at this point, <laughs> I probably had about eight beers in my system, so before I left, just to top it off, I chugged one more beer, which made it nine, and I started driving. <laughs> yeah, young and stupid, like I t- said, man. <laughs> so I'm driving, and I felt fine, because at that point, I, I, my tolerance for alcohol had gotten so high that I could pretty much drink that much and hold my alcohol. So I felt fine, but I was just really tired. I was getting really sleepy. It was like 4 a.m. at this point, and I was like, man, I just want to get home. I drive through a small little hole in the wall in Florida called Waldo, and instantly I get pulled over by the cops. Um, Waldo's infamous for... Anyway, I won't get on that. Where's Waldo? Waldo is a shithole that needs to be a blast crater instead of a city, but that's another story. Um, I got pulled over by the cops. Um, I was young and cocky. I was like, all right, yeah, pull me over, motherfucker. I can get through this sobriety test because I thought I could fool him, you know, because I held my liquor really well or beer or whatever. So they put me when you're that drunk, you're delusional. I tell you, I was not. And I and and when I saw that they pulled me over, I sobered up even more. And I was like, all right, bring it on. Whatever's about to happen. Bring it on. I'm ready. I can deal with it. I can speak fine and all that. They put me through the field sobriety test. I passed all of their tests except Uh, except one breathalyzer. They didn't do the breathalyzer. It was the pen light test where they, uh, they put the light yeah. in your eye and you have to follow their finger. Yeah. That is a test that no matter That's how they get you, no matter how good you hold your liquor, 
you're, biologically something happens to you after you have a certain mm-hmm. amount of alcohol and you can't fake it. It doesn't matter how sober you act. Your eyes do this jerky motion back and yep. forth when you follow the cop's finger. And a sober person, their eyes are do a much smoother movement. But mm-hmm. my eyes, and I know this because I've done this test on my friends since then to see if it's true. And it is true. My drunk friends, I did the test on them, whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I got detained. I went to jail. It was a, one of the worst experiences of my life. Um, I had to sleep on a cold cement floor. I used my shoe as a pillow because everyone else had taken up the bunks. I literally had to take the shoe off of my foot and use it as a pillow. Um and that, that had to not be comfortable. No, it wasn't. But I was so tired, I, I fell asleep, and then I, I I slept for maybe four hours, and then at nine a.m. the cop like the cop walked into the room and he starts banging on it with his like billy club. He's like, "All right, get up, everyone, get up! You're dragging ass!" Like he from the time of him saying "get up" and you're dragging ass, it was like two seconds. It's like, good lord, dude, how fast do you expect us to? you know reanimate and get up we're not we're not the flash and we're drunk (laughs) yeah and hung over at this point and yeah that was that was awful um i I spent an additional uh after my arraignment or whatever after they told me what i was being charged with i had to spend another four or five hours in jail after that while they processed me and that was just the beginning of my dui experience I, i went through a whole year of hell after that with Fees and community service and uh, mm-hmm. I mean people drinking and driving. I tell you, if you feel like you can get away with it, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. You shouldn't do it, but man, if they sting you, if they get you, oh buddy, you are you are in for some bullshit. I can tell you. Relax, that. don't do it. So uh, yeah, so Shelley's uh, second question is: Would you consider having a meetup in the Portland area? Um. If I had the money, sure. If if there was ever some, but if I had the money to to you know get a meetup going, I'd probably you know get one going with my long my longtime friend Matt first. But Jeez, you know it's just thanks, one of those Mike. things. Hey, if I had if 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 I had double the money though, oh, that really that if really I, if I had if I had a lot of money. And not just a little bit for like one ticket. I mean, come on. I mean, if you had like, if you were in the same in, in same situation, you had like one ticket. I mean, money for one ticket. I'm, I'm thinking just, if there's if there's some kind of a, a if there's a con though, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, like if there's ever any kind of convention that we can jump on in in our airfare yeah. or whatever is paid for, absolutely, we'll do that. Um, Precisely. It's it's really it's a money thing. You know, I would love to yeah. meet all you people in person, but uh, it, it's a money thing. So absolutely. All right, uh, we're gonna let's try to do these a little bit faster, or else we'll be here all night. Um, next. All right. <laughs> I guess uh, d- did me reading her part two to her question constitute as me reading the next question? No. Oh, okay. Okay, this one's from. <laughs> you guys go no. <laughs> uh, this question is from Heather. Uh, why is it that when you're describing Florida, it almost sounds like my description of Texas? <laughs> um, okay, so by Florida, you mean uh, red? Ne- when I describe it, uh, heat, rednecks, um, just general ignorance, um, lack of like creative people, um, 
a lot of blue collar stuff. Nothing wrong with blue collar, but that, that there is a lot of that here. Um, well, I would say that honestly, uh, as far as the South is, which Texas is kind of its own thing. I wouldn't even consider Texas the South. It's, it, it's, it. Texas is really its own state. It's not the Midwest, even though technically it is. It's it really it it's its own thing. I mean, te- you have parts of Texas that are super liberal. You have parts of Texas that are super conservative. Yeah. It's just such a big state that it could very well be broken down probably into like three or four mm-hmm. states and it would be more re- I have no I have no real connection with Texas other than than I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, but other than that, nah. No other connection. I think it's just uh it's kind of that southern thing, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of the same stuff that goes on in Rednecks. In, yeah. There's a lot of rednecks there as there are here. It's it gets very hot in Texas as it does in Florida. It's kind of in the same as far as the equator is concerned, kind of in the similar kind of part, certain parts. Are their beliefs similar to? Yeah. You know, like it, religion it, and usually, other stuff. And... Texas is usually a red state. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of it's not in the Bible Belt, but it's on the fringes of the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. I am nestled very firmly in the Bible Belt. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's why I would say that would be the case. All right, Mike. All right. Next question is from Corin. She says, uh, should the producers of Unsolved Mysteries release old episodes as they were or release them with a new host? And if so, who do you feel would be a good host? We know there will be only one Robert Stack, but who is worthy worthy to pick up his hammer? I don't know if there's anyone truly worthy, um, but I have some suggestions. And I'll, I'll answer the first part of the question first. So the producers at UM released old episodes as they were? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Do not release the old episodes with some new narrator. Um, and who I, who I, if they did a new show, which I think is a possibility, I don't, I I mean, true crime is bigger than ever. It has its own network. Um, I think they could easily have a new unsolved mysteries and it might do all right in terms of the ratings. So if it was on some network like A&E or something like that. So my suggestions for a host I got a couple of them. First, I got Lance Henriksen. He's got a gr- great personality. He's got that look, that kind of, you know, he, he can be, he can have a smile, you know, kind of like Robert Stack did. But Robert Stack also had that sort of aura about him where he's kind of is eerie in a way. Mm-hmm. So Lance Henriksen fits that to a T. And he's got a great voice for it. And I could totally see Lance Henriksen doing a great job. I could also see Peter Weller. Robocop himself doing a good job because he has that weird, you know, eerie look to him. He also has experience. Uh, he's done a few History Channel shows and, and documentaries and stuff. And he's actually a history teacher at Syracuse. So um, he's very well read. And, and I, I could totally see Peter Weller uh, doing a good job as a host as well. I think that, um, and this is a long shot, um, I, Robert Stack has a son. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be amazing if Robert Stack's son could host uh, if they did a new Unsolved Mysteries. Doesn't matter if he had has the voice, although I would assume that he would have to have a, well, a tinge. To me personally, it depends. I need to see 
him as an actor. I need to see him deliver the lines. I mean, I don't want to give the mantle just to Robert Stack's son just because it's Robert Stack's son. I mean, because sometimes you have people who are sons of certain really established actors, but they're terrible actors. Yeah. And, and I, I, if he can't really bring the same gravitas and the same you know, impact that his dad did, I, I mean, I just think that would be a disservice to the new show. We brought up a, a someone who would have been a good host a few episodes back. I don't remember who we said. It was that guy you were talking about who was on ID or something, I think. Oh, yeah, it was um, Keith Morris. Mm-hmm. Keith Morris, yeah. He would, he would be, yeah, that'd be my pick for if they were to have a new host. Keith Morris from Investigation I'd love to see Henriksen or, or Weller. If you've ever seen them act or them or, or if you heard them talk, perfect for this type of show. Right on. All right, uh, and thank you, Corinne, for being one of our yes. star patrons, Patreoners, whatever. Um, thank you so Patreons. much. Patreons. Yeah, she's in the upper tier. She gets to the bonus segment um, here and there. So thank you so much, Corinne, for uh, for being one of the original supporters. We got another big Patreon supporter here, uh, Morgan. Um, and her question is, What's Josh? <laughs> I find that funny. What's Josh's, what's Josh's favorite movie, and has he actually seen it? <laughs> All right, listen, you. I have seen movies, okay. Uh, I have a whole list here on my external hard drive of some of my favorite movies. Um, I would say my favorite movie would. Um, it's a toss-up. It really is. There's a lot of movies that I really, really like. But as far as just the pure uh, making me feel, I guess. Um, American History X. Uh, mm. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. And... Uh, and Burp? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you would hear that, damn it. <laughs> and uh, I would say either uh, okay, I'm not gonna give you a whole list. Either 2001: A Space Odyssey or uh, American History X would probably be my interesting. Top, interesting top picks. Two contenders. I have way too many. I cannot just do two. Um, and I guess I can go with a genre. And my favorite genre is horror. So my favorite horror film is Creepshow. Mike, nobody asked for your favorite movie. First of all, you have your own question here, which I will read oh, for you. Oh, 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 Mike, oh! I can, I can handle it. I guess if you want, this is pretty personal. I guess maybe I should take it. But anyway, explain, explain some more about why American History X and 2001 are your favorites. Uh, American History X, just because it struck a nerve, um, as far as the whole racial, um, climate mm-hmm. in America, um, it does, I felt like it did a good job of making you feel, um, that, that, that anger and frustration, that, uh, that misguided frustration that a lot of white people have. And yeah. their, their perception of of how white people are have been beaten down in this country and this that and the other, um, like I said, mis misconception. I don't agree or you know or, or I don't espouse mm-hmm. those beliefs or anything like that. But I, I feel like uh, the art style, the black and white when it's going to the flashbacks, the just the emotion you 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 feel Edward Norton's character. Um, Derek or whatever, you feel his anger, mm-hmm. um, and you feel, um, the rage, um, 
I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, this is why I don't review movies, Mike, because I'm not I'm not a, a good at saying I don't know why I like it as much as I do. But yeah, it, and it has nothing to do with the Nazi shit. You know, any of that kind of crap. Oh, we curb stomped them. You know, wow, that's cool. It, it, mm. it, it's I don't know. It's just a very pungent movie it's a it's it's race very powerful film yeah race is a very big uh it will always be a very big uh divisive issue in our country um and and i feel like that movie hit upon race in a very modern kind of way because you know there's a million movies Mm -hmm. about slavery and all and it's all back in antiquity you know this mm -hmm. was this was a 90s you know, this was modern, a modern take on race relations in, in a very interesting way. And, it, and you felt mm. that emotion, I guess. I saw I saw it a while back and I liked it, but I can't say it's one of my favorites because it's a very hard film to watch. It's not the type of movie like, oh, I sit down and I'm going to watch American History X. You know, that'll make me feel good. You know, that's a, that's a good crowd pleaser. But it's not the type of movie he's trying to be. So, but I mean, for what it is, it's very effective. Um, but if I had to pick, you know, in a term as a sort of a similar sort of film that deals with racism, uh, I might lean towards the Mississippi burning. I don't know if you've seen that. And I I highly recommend that if you, if you are, since you are a fan of American history X, Mississippi burning is based on a true story takes place during, you know, the sixties, you know, the fifties and the sixties, you know, during the whole, uh, I think it's the fifties actually during the whole civil rights movement type thing. You got Gene Hackman, who is one of the leads. You also have um, Willem Dafoe. It's a very powerful, excellent film. Um, Morgan also asked uh, another question. She actually asked this one specifically to me. She says, uh, Mike once mentioned he has Asperger's. Does he find this a struggle or a gift? I know a few people with this diagnosis, and they always have an interesting take on the syndrome. I went on the personal side. I also really like Corbin's question on your pick for a host. I also like that question as well. That was a good question. Um, I just didn't say that before I answered it like everybody uh, tells me to do in speech class. I always remember that. It's like they have a question. You should be like, that was a really good question. All right. <laughs> now I'm going to answer that really good question. Uh, this is a good question as well. Um I don't mind that it's a, a personal thing because I, I spoke about it openly. So and I do that anyway. Um, in some ways, it's a struggle. I mean, it used to be a really, really big struggle for me. Um, when I was in when I was in a, a elementary school, it was so bad that ah uh, man, it was really, really awful. Like I, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, teachers would like kick me out of classes and I wouldn't know why I was very frustrated and angry. Uh, I was afraid of a lot of things. I was afraid of even walking off the curb. Um, very super, super sensitive to things, touch, sound, all different types of stuff. And, but once I got the help that I needed from counselors and stuff and, and from, um, my psychiatrist, I actually had, uh, one, I had a different one at first. Like I started out with one that didn't work out, and then I got the one that I've had for years. And he himself, I, I, Dr. Dave, I like to call him, he actually uses me in my case when uh, as, as, as a prime example of somebody with Asperger's that can actually you know, get de- demonstrably better. 
uh, when he's talking with other parents and with other kids who have Asperger's. And to me, that is just uh, that's very humbling for me personally. So um, it is a struggle in some ways, but like I said, I've made so many strides since I was young. It's unbelievable. I mean, just passing this math class, just getting a C alone is huge because in high school I had a learning disability with math, which is connected to my Asperger's. Now I passed all my math classes. Even the one I had to retake, I technically passed. It was a C minus. I just had to retake it because I couldn't move forward with the C minus. So that once that's one of the main stumbling blocks is that and, and I still have some problems, you know, with uh, I'm focusing too much on one thing. I'd have a hard time, you know, transitioning. And you know, that's something that I'm just going to have to live with the rest of my life. But, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, there are some struggles, but, you know, you work with them, you live with them. And uh, I can safely say that I'm a completely different person compared to what I was when I was a kid. So and, and definitely when it comes to Asperger's, I mean, a lot of people don't even know I have it until I mention it to them. So I, I'm comfortable even talking with completely, completely random strangers when I'm in, pu in public now. I could not, I, I, you know, that, that's that's huge. And um, so and any time that I might think, oh, man, I'm behind or I, I'm I'm not where I want to be in my life. I can always look back at where I was and look at how much progress I've made, and I will instantly feel better. Now, do I find it a gift? Well, when it comes to uh, reviewing movies, I think I do. Because uh, because of this Asperger's, which is, I guess it's been this sort of thing where it, my brain is uh, situated and it, it's set up in a certain way that's different than other people. I pick up on certain things and I remember certain things that other people might not. So I'm like a walking internet movie database, which really helps my, you know, reviews of movies because I rarely ever, and if I do make a mistake, you know, it, it happens. I'm not perfect, but you know, I'm able to remember all these different actors and all these different directors and all these different people involved with different production aspects of the film. I'm able to break down a film in a way that I don't necessarily know somebody who doesn't have Asperger's can do as effective or as easily as I do. Cause they could probably do it, but it would take years and years and years of learning and, and practice. This just comes naturally to me. Uh, Mario, who I've known for a while, uh, he asks, uh, is there any classic movies that Josh has? God, seen? people get off my case with the movies. <laughs> All right. I, I brought my list here on my external hard drive. I'm just going to run through them real quick. Movies that I definitely have seen. 12 Years of, 12 Years a Slave, 25th Hour, 2001 Space Odyssey, A Beautiful Mind, A Few Good Men, A Single Man, About Schmidt, adap Adaptation, Alien, Almost Famous, American History X, American Movie, American Psycho, Angry Video Game, Nerd Movie, Annie Hall, Apocalypse Now, Artificial Intelligence, Awakenings, Bad Boy, Bad Boys, Being John Malkovich, Big Fish, uh, Blade Runner, Boogie Nights, Bowling for Columbine, Breakdown, Capitalism, Love Story, Capote, Captain Phillips, Casablanca, Catfish, Chinatown, Clerks 2, Death to Smoochie, Der Untergang, Django Unchained, Donnie Darko, Doctor Strangelove, Dumb and Dumber, Enter the Void, Eraserhead, Eyes Wide Shut, Fahrenheit 9-11, Fargo, Fear, Five Easy Pieces, Food Inc., Forrest Gump, uh, Friday, Frozen, Full Metal Jacket, Garden State, Ghost World, Goodwill Hunting, Goodfellas, Happiness, Hard Candy, Home Alone 2, I Am Comic, It, Jingle All the Way, Juice, Kick-Ass, Koyana, Scotsy, 
Liquid Sky, Lucky Number Slevin, Mad Max, Magnolia, Mama, Me, Myself, and Irene, Man's Society, Milk, Misery, Monster, Nebraska, Next Friday, No One Would Tell, Office Space, No One Flew, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest, One Hour Photo, Panic Room, Pet Cemetery, Powder, Pulp Fiction, Rain Man, Reservoir Dogs, Restrepo, Robocop, Saw One, Secret Window, Sexy Beast, Shutter Island, Sicko, Sign, Sensei, Some Kind of Monster, Something's Gotta Give, Super Size Me, Sweet, Sweetbacks, Badass Song, Taxi Driver, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, One and Two, Tenacious D, Pick a Destiny, Terminator, One and Two, Terms from Demon, Big Bowski, Cable Guy, <laughs> Curious Case, Benjamin, Ben Bunchen, <laughs> The Dark Knight, The Client West Civilization Part 2, Departed, The Fisher King, Fourth Kind, The Godfather, Godfather 2, Grand Blue, The Pest Hotel, Great Outdoors, um, almost done here, people. Uh, the Hangover, The Karate Kid, The Machinist, Man- Manchurian Candidate, The Master, The Matrix, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Pianist, Shawshank Redemption, The Shining, uh, Science of the Lamb, Sixth Sense, Social Network, Squid and the Whale, Truman Show, The Warriors, There Will Be Blood, Thinner, Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie, Trees Lounge, Tropic Thunder, Under the Skin, Up, Waiting for Superman, Walk Hard, Walls- Wall Street, We Need to Talk About Heaven, and World's Greatest Dad. Those are some movies I've seen. Stick it. <laughs> Stick it. Were they all classic movies, though? Well, whatever. That's I've seen more. No, I'm just, I'm just. Some I'm of just, them were. I'm just, I'm just joshing. Hear any, Josh. good, hear any good ones in there, Mike? Oh yeah, there's plenty of there. You know, Terminator One and Two, RoboCop. Hopefully, it was the the 1987 film, not the remake. Um, uh, Breakdown. Is that the one with Kurt Russell? Yep. I really like that one. I think it's a great film. Underrated thriller, and I'm actually surprised you saw that. So cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. All right, Zachary asks, could Unsolved Mysteries, uh, could Unsolved Mysteries film ever be possible in taste, not logistically, kind of like Creep Show or the Twilight Zone movie? I'm gonna give this one over to Mike, 110. <laughs> percent uh, As you know, I love Creep Show, Twilight Zone movie. Uh, I, um, I don't want to. It just there are some good segments in that, but the whole story behind it of John Landis, like pretty much killing somebody really doesn't help the film. But um, Creepshow is more of a horror anthology. Twilight Zone is more of a sci-fi thing. I honestly don't think so. As much as I love an anthology film, I don't see an Unsolved Mysteries film working in an anthology format because these are based on true stories. I think it would be in poor taste, especially if you're doing the murder segments or that kind of thing. Now, if you were doing the UFO stuff, I don't know, maybe, but maybe just have a new show. I think it has an unsolved, a bigger budget. An unsolved mysteries film would work if they went real dark with it and and they did like a fictionalized thing, like Robert Stack, if he was still alive, is hosting. Say he's on the set of an unsolved mysteries, uh, you know, doing a segment or whatever, and then a mystery happens on the set, and Robert Stack has to revert back to kind of like his Elliot Ness ways, like the okay. Untouchables, and I mean, like, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, and Stack, like you know, becomes the bad, the tongue in cheek, you know, in tongue in cheek way, he becomes the badass that everyone always talks about him being, and he goes out and he has all these memorable badass Robert Stackisms, <laughs> and he likes. You know, and then, you know, there's the creepy music playing at certain points and there's all these tropes of unsolved mysteries throughout the movie. But, you know, and and then like, I don't know, the villain have it be some crazy twist, like a production company that wants to skew towards a younger audience. And that's the villain. And he ends up killing the head of that, you know, network or whatever. And like that to me would be a really cool that 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 kind of unsolved mysteries film I could kind of see. But in terms of kind of like a creep show or Twilight Zone movie, no, I don't think an anthology unsolved mysteries film would necessarily really work because honestly that's just that would just be the show 
without the host. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you've and you've already told me, and I didn't know about this, but you a lot of the segments we cover, they have already made movies out of a lot of this stuff anyway. Um, that yeah, you know, I, the Mothman prophecies has a film. So there's the a Mothman lot of them has, that have have movies been made of them that you've mentioned throughout the uh, episodes here. All right, next question goes to you, Mike. This or, is from or Eric, wait, or was it? Was it? Yeah, was it me or was it? No, it was you. Okay, so I'm reading this one. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. I answered the question you read. Okay, so now I'm asking this one. Oh no, you. Okay, no, sorry. I, yeah. I, okay, I get it. Okay, go ahead. This is from Eric. He says, "So, how excited are you that Unsolved Mysteries is on Amazon Prime streaming now?" Yeah, I'm absolutely ecstatic. Except that it's not the Robert Stack version. So until that happens, meh. Currently the Dennis Farina one, but they said they would be adding. Yeah, this is what we talked about earlier in the podcast. We kind of said everything we had to say about that. Um, the Farina one's a garbage. Uh, if they had the stack ones, great. You know, but well, we kind of answered Yeah. All right. Uh, the last question here. Oh, wait, no, we got one more. Uh, I forgot after this one um, uh, that got sent to us in message form from another one of our listeners. Um. From Trista, good old Trista, me and Trista become buddies. Um, what are Josh and Mike's favorite episodes of Unsolved Mysteries? Um, I guess that kind of ties in with the first one, like what ones we think are the creepiest. But uh, yeah. I, I, honestly, for me, yeah. my favorite ones are the creepy ones. So Missing Time, Allagash Abductions and Missing Time. Yeah. Uh, and, and almost any of the UFO ones are... are but For uh, me as well. I mean, I, I most of the UFO segments and... A few of the ghost ones, um, but I do have to admit I do enjoy me some fraud, and I know we talked about this. Liz we said we we've said that we've repeated this ad nauseum on this podcast about you know how we enjoy some fraud segments, but I, I definitely do enjoy a lot of fraud segments. Um, so, all right, our last question that Mike would ask if he had access to it, but this one got sent to me. Um, it's from Amanda. And she wanted to know um, the most em- uh, the most embarrassing. Okay, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> this is this is gonna be one of those moments. I want to know you and Mike's. <laughs> mo- I want to know you and Mike's most embarrassing moments. And then she says, "Just the most embarrassing is what I want, or whatever you feel comfortable with us knowing." Oh, okay. My whole life is kind of an embarrassing moment, so <laughs> it's hard for me to really oh, begin. Mr. Dra- drama over here. Yeah. My whole life is an embarrassing moment. I do declare, someone make me a mint julep. No, I was just thinking. I was just thinking of like those Tumblr posts or whatever. It's like my life is nothing. My whole life is nothing. My whole life is an embarrassing moment. I'd have to think about it. So, um, I guess one, I mean, my, probably my most, one of my, some of my most embarrassing moments. I'm not gun. I'm not, I, I, I literally, oh, I got one. I can't, I can't say it on the podcast. Cause it's just too, it's, it's too, you'd have to know me for a while and stuff for it's me. Too to, risque. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's too embarrassing. You know, I, I can't divulge it, but, um, one I can think of, um, that happened semi recently. Um, so when I first started DJing weddings, um, it was, and it was, you know, the crowd probably didn't even think it was that bad, but to me it was super embarrassing. Um, 
I had just got the, they had just got done the, uh, it was the wedding reception. The couple had just got done doing their first dance and I got on the mic and, you know, I, I just kind of to need, I needed to make the, you know, requisite announcements of what, you know, what's going to happen now. And like, I had just started out, so there was no smoothness. I was not comfortable on the mic speaking in front of large crowds. It was like very intimidating. And I go, um, I go, okay, um, the, the buffet lines should be opening soon and we'll be eating and that's it. And this little kid in the crowd, this little kid in the crowd goes, and that's it. He mimics me. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, I already knew that that was a weird way to end that sentence, especially on the mic, you know, like to, you know, I'm supposed to be this professional and I'm like, that's like if you said, uh, and that's all folks and end of sentence and period, um, nothing else to say yet. I am still talking. Um, yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. I was like, yeah, the buffet and food lines will be open and, um, yeah, that's it. And then when the kid mimicked me, he goes, and that's it. And I was like, yeah, shut up, you little <laughs> shit. I know it was awkward. Okay. That was, that was embarrassing. Cause it was, an, you didn't have to make it more awkward. Yeah. By repeating what I just, but that's the first one that comes to mind. But literally like all the, like my most embarrassing moments are just two persons and all. This would become a, a rated X podcast if I told you my most personal ones. So yeah. yeah, I have one, um, and then I also I'll, I'll share one for my stepdad because it's so hilarious. I I really do need to share it. Um, but anyway, my mo- I wouldn't necessarily say it's my most. I don't really know because I haven't really had that many to be honest. Oh, <laughs> well, Mister Suave, Rico Suave. <laughs> I don't do a lot of stuff to be, I don't, you know, I don't go out much. I don't, you know, so I don't really have a lot of opportunities to have embarrassing moments. Um, so, but this one I definitely do remember in high school, I was taking this uh, musical theater class and I took it because, you know, it was from the same teacher for who was teaching the acting class. And I really enjoyed that. And I was in choir and, and I, I, you know, I like choir and I like acting. So I'm like, okay, all right, you know, let's let's give this a shot. And there was this whole sort of fake audition thing that all of us were supposed to do. And we're supposed to like go behind stage, you know, like we're getting ready to audition for the show and sing a song or whatever. And I chose Heart and Soul. You know, Heart and Soul. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So yeah, the tune that Train used and abused for their latest hit song. I hate Train. Oh, no. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah. So, um, the teacher, he knew that I was uncomfortable around girls because I was absolutely not comfortable around girls at that time. I was very shy. Uh, I was definitely still inside a shell, so to speak. <laughs> and so what he did unbeknownst to me while I'm backstage my acting teacher he removed all the guys from the room he put all the girls in front of the stage so here I am I'm backstage all right it's already you know kind of you know stressful just saying well at first I wasn't thinking too much ah oh, you know I've, I've sung on stage I've sung in front of hundreds of people I've sang at state come on this can't be that bad I could do this so I come out 
I, I come out of, you know, out, out from the back. And then as soon as I see all the girls staring at me and like smiling or whatever, I'm, I, I automatically just start fucking up. I'm like, oh, and so uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it was it was really embarrassing. I see that every week at my karaoke gigs. So, hey, I, I get to see those moments for people all the time. I never have those moments anymore. But, with karaoke, but yeah, that does sound. Holy shit. But um, it worked out because ultimately I did. I did become a lot more comfortable around girls and I actually did a duet with one of them. So, you know, worked out. And, and I really do attribute that class and a lot of my and my teacher doing stuff like that to really breaking me out of my shell and enabling me to be able to, in the future, do things like this anyway, because I was so shy and withdrawn and didn't really want to talk and do stuff. And, and you know, that musical theater class, I really do look back at as a huge first stepping stone to be able to break out of my shell. And, and I look back at that as the reason why I can do some of the things I mentioned earlier, like just talk to random people you know, uh, that I don't even know when I'm out and about and things like that and strike a conversation and not not have it be really awkward. So but that was very awkward. All right. And I think that's all the questions we have now. If you submit a question after the. Well, I did. I did say I was going to mention the stepdad thing, but I don't oh. have to. Oh, I forgot about that. Unless unless people want to. I, I, it's really quick. So sure, go ahead. my stepdad, his. It's, he's probably had other embarrassing moments, but one's a little bit more personal. I don't really want to talk about, but, um, this one cracks me up every time I think about it. Cause I can't even believe he did this. So he went to a fast food restaurant. He went to Arby's and you know, he's, he's trying to get some sauce for his, you know, curly fries or a sandwich or whatever. And you know, there's all these squeeze bottles, you know, with sauce and squeeze them out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he was thinking here. Even to this day, he doesn't know what he was thinking here. So he thinks there's nothing's coming out, okay? So he comes up with this genius idea that he's going to take the squeeze bottle, lift it up in front of his face, and squeeze it. (laughs) (laughs) And so he squeezes it, and of course... what you know what happens next yeah. <laughs> it starts working and he squeezes this sauce rb sauce all, all into his hair <laughs> that's a pretty good one <laughs> so i had to share that one because i always thought that was pretty I'm funny. sure your stepdad appreciates you uh airing his embarrassing moments all over the world <laughs> I, I don't think he'd mind really all right, folks. Well, that was all the Q and A's we have for right now. If we had, uh, if you submit one after uh, my talking here, that means that the podcast was completed before I got to it. But uh, I don't know. This we'll was, save them for later. Yeah, this is pretty fun. I could see, I could see us doing this again for sure at some point. Maybe not, you know, obviously not every episode, but we'll we'll do uh, we'll do another Q and A here at some point. Um, these were fun. Um, yeah, that's the end of the podcast. You can, um, like our YouTube channels. Um, mine is, uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. I actually just released, I put it on the, I shamelessly cross promoted my stuff on the, uh, uncovering unsolved, uh, uncovering unexplained mysteries podcast fan page. Oh, whoops. Whoops. Yep. 
redact that statement, black that lettering out. Um, it's a, the first skit that I've ever done on my Facebook or on my YouTube channel or whatever. I've never just done a straight up skit before, and I did a skit, so I thought it turned out really well. First time using green screen and all that, but anyway, it's... Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, YouTube.com slash Dancing with Ghosts, and Mike is um, YouTube.com slash OCP Communications, and... You know, he's the movie guy and does other stuff on there. So add us on our YouTube channels. And, um, yeah, and then that's that's pretty much it. And then Patreon is uh, uncovering mm-hmm. unexplained mysteries, and so is Facebook. So with that, I am Josh. I bid you adieu. And uh, This is Mike, and I will. we will see you guys later. And I'm going to uh, feed my gurgling stomach. So. Gross. Good night. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha.